The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this woman that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? Hello and welcome to another Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat. And that sound you hear was me trying to make sure shit is straight. So, yes, I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can also find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And that sound effect you hear comes from the man, the myth, the legend, our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore seven in on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! <laughs> and not with us tonight. There's one PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, uh, popculturenetwork.com, and popculturenet on Twitter. And you can also find him at Byte, uh, Divine Replacement, under comic reviews, no vowels. Last but not least, um, our, our the Osiris of this ish one Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter, uh, C B Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account, theclicknation.com uh, and theclicknation on Twitter. Also, comic book resources where he's over there writing his face off. And uh, folks, tonight we have a treat for you. Face off. Um, pardon me for that one. But uh, we are going to talk about, um, interesting, we are going to talk about a classic, classic um, event from the Marvel Universe and later on in our topics, but first we're going to do news, but we're going to be talking about tonight, the Kree Scroll War, which um, if you have heard us talking about Empire uh, in the last couple of weeks, will definitely direct uh, directly tie into so therefore we thought we'd just go back and, and um revisit that joint um and, and I'll, I'll say i was gonna add hold on to the thought i was gonna add if there's anything that we can do while in the age of covid19 quarantine is go back and read classic stories right which you know i kind of wish this was something we had done uh previously but I, the fact that we do current news and current stuff, it's kind of hard to do that stuff when we got constantly have uh, comic books and stuff going on that we kind of end up going into. So, you know, but times like this, and we do have our treasure editions, but that's kind of a little side note for, you know, for, for current stuff also. So it's kind of right. good. We generally actually, focus on like movies and television true? shows with uh, the treasury editions. That is also true. So it's actually kind of good that we got a little bit of room. Like, new comics is, you know, it's kind of a bummer. But at the same time, it's kind of cool because we get to go back and revisit uh, these uh, these uh, events. And um, actually, we hadn't talked about what we're going to do next week. But we'll get to that, and you'll know when we know. 
And actually, there is a way that if you folks want to, but we will get to that in the news in a, in a second, which actually, you know what, let's go ahead and get into the news right now so we can go ahead and talk about it when we get there. So, just like we do every week uh, when we do the news, we start off with the cinematic news. <laughs> Alright, first over, a little bleed over from last week, actually, um, when we talked about Star Trek Post Card. If you missed that episode, go back and check it out. And uh, this is um, from Digital Spot, apparently, that says, How the Picard Finale Sets Up Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Um, and apparently it does, and I think, as if I'm not mistaken, from what I know of Discovery Season 3, they do a time jump. Uh, actually, excuse me, they, well... They technically do a time jump uh, into the future, which I think even goes past, like, I think they're maybe in the 26th century, because sometimes they're doing, I don't remember what century they're going into. But regardless, uh, it looks like this might have something to do with the fall of the Federation, and therefore Picard's, uh, the ending of Picard season one may have, um, may have sparked some of that. So okay, yeah. So there's synergy. Now, granted, um, I have not watched Discovery, so I I do know of the fact that they are going to do a time jump, but I haven't watched to see what caused that. So that was kind of what prompted me not to actually read this article fully. Understood. Understood. So yeah, but nevertheless, that seems like that might be a thing. <laughs> next up. All right. Next up. Um. The the new animated DuckTales has been expanding its shared Disney animated universe by steadily introducing more and more elements from the OG Disney afternoon block of characters and concepts. Uh, one of the biggest cameos yet has been the Crack Pack uh, in the second episode of the shows. Actually, now they're up to their third season. Um, Goofy has a substantial role in the episode, but it's also a very specific version of the character. Uh, DuckTales actually makes quietly makes a goof troop and a goofy movie canon by directly referencing the conclusion of the film and hinting at what beca- what became of Goofy and his son Max. So that's for those uh, Disney fans out there. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Yeah, I I really would like to catch up on the uh, on this DuckTales because there's a lot of interesting stuff that's come out of it. One other thing, actually, uh, that's come out of it is uh, DuckTales casually introduces Violet's two dads. Now, if you are, you know, obviously if you're not up on uh, uh, up on the new DuckTales, you don't know who that is. So basically there is a side character that I think is Webigel's friend. Uh, I was about to say, did Paul Reiser appear on this or something? I know, right? I thought about that too. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be of a certain vintage uh, to get yes. that reference, ladies and gentlemen. And I kind of wonder if they did. I mean, I kind of wonder if they actually did something like that to it, but I kind of doubt it. Um, I won't say the other actor was Greg Evigan, Greg but I'm Evigan. not sure. You are absolutely right, actually. Oh, my God. Where the hell did I dig that up in the data file? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, now, what the one I can't remember is the, the girl's name was like Stacy something, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, one of the characters has two dads. Um, and they just like call it to put that in there like ain't no thing because realistically it should be ain't no thing. <laughs> That's there you funny. go. Next up. All right. Um... Comic writer Jeff Loveness uh, 
has been hired by Marvel Studios to pen a draft of Ant-Man 3, according to The Hollywood Reporter, and later confirmed by the writer. Jeff Loveness um, has written uh, the Nova and Groot comic books. Um, He's also written for Rick and Morty and Jimmy Kimmel Live, as well as other Marvel comic books. So... um, Peyton Reed has reportedly signed on to direct the third Ant-Man film as well. We're actually getting a third Ant-Man film. Let that sink in, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. So that a is the thing. third Ant-Man film. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it either. Actually, I do understand it, but... No, I understand it. What I'm saying is it's such a remarkable thing to even say... Forget even think about. But that's what that, that's what I was kind of getting at because it's like, yeah, who'd have thought? Like, hey, and we, when the first Ant Man came out, people were like, who, what, why, why would you do that? And turned out to be one of the, in a lot of people's opinions and some of the better sets of films. Exactly. So that's just funny. All right. Next up, speaking of actually Ant Man, uh, report. There's a report that says that Paul Rudd's Ant Man three script starred Modok. And aim as villains. Wow. Yeah, so apparently it says here Ant Man star uh, Paul Rudd reportedly took a stab at pinning the third film script, which would have appeared, which would have featured appearances by, which makes some sense. Uh, popular Marvel, Marvel villain Modoc, as well as the organization AIM. Uh, this was being reported from Geeks Worldwide, um, but there's no further information about it or anything else. So that would have been amusing. I'm, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely! What a what a concept to try to bring to screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, and who's, to say, and who's to say that still couldn't happen with you know with uh, with Loveless whatever Loveless is writing, right? So who knows? Next All up. Right. All right. So uh, while Thor: The Dark World, um, directed by Alan Taylor, hasn't exactly been the best loved Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. It turns out the Thor sequel had an X-Men reference hiding in plain sight. Um, So I'm going to have to look to see. Oh, uh, let's see. What is the actual reference? I have to open up the article. I have to open up the article, ladies and gentlemen. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to get the I'm trying to get the linker to to open here. Uh, According to Screen Rant, fans should rewatch the scenes where Stellan Skarsgård's Eric Selvig tries to explain the convergence to the uh, patients in the uh, asylum he's locked in. Um, Selvig's chalkboard rambling, you know, this is a scene where Stan Lee appears. Uh, Selvig's chalkboard ramblings also mention a phenomenon called the fault. Um, those up on their comic book history will know the fault was the result of a brutal Shi'ar and Kree war that revolved around the villainous of Vulcan. Really? So, is that from, um, God yeah, Love Man's Kills? Yeah, from, I'm sorry? Is that from God Love Man's Kills? No, this is much more recent. This oh, is uh, 2006's uh, Deadly Genesis. Right. This is the Brubaker story right. where um, 
the Creed detonate a deadly T-bomb that creates the fault, that creates a tear in the fabric of time and space that leads into the Cancerverse. That's where the Cancerverse comes into play. And as we have seen as recently as uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. So, yeah, cool. That's weird. No, And uh, no one would have, I guess... Why people? Well, people got time on their hands now. I guess that's why they pulled it out now instead of back then when this movie came out. But, um, What's funny is that there uh, there is a still that actually has the fault right over Stellan Skarsgård's shoulder. Uh, yep. It's right there over right his there. left shoulder, mm-hmm. so you just had to see it. Yeah, and people on the video can see me, my cursor um, talking about it or, or circling in it. So yeah, too bad we don't have like uh, things and we can write on the screen or something that we can play and here boom you knocked him right. out yeah anyway nothing about that that's silly um disney announces new movie releases dates uh wow shifting marvel's plans i felt like we kind of talked about some of this last week but nevertheless no uh, but i think they've made some more concrete dates since we were last on right uh so the movie studio has announced that black widow will now arrive on november 6th 2020 while the eternals will be released on february 12th 2021 um some other stuff i was about to say at the rate hold on to that thought at the rate we're going with this quarantine that'll be here before we know it yeah some people hope um we should see if that comes to pass. Pass. Uh, let's see. There's some other comic book related stuff that's been shifted around, like that Kingsman prequel, uh, September 8th. I already talked about uh, Black Widow, Eternal, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings on May 7th. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness on November 5th, uh, 2021, and others, you know, that, that, are, spe- that are going into 2022. Including an unnamed one in October, as yet unnamed one from Marvel, which I guess that's that's still that mystery one that we still don't know that much about. So, there you go. There's a shift right now until, until they make another change or whatever. Wait, I noticed something else isn't something that that's not on this list. The off put off uh, New Mutants movie. Right. I'm not sure when that's coming out. What no one it? knows. Right. And it was supposed to actually, the, the one of the release dates had just passed on like the 5th or something like that. So Correct. Um, yeah, so we have no idea. I think the next one was like August of this year, but it's not it's not showing up here either, so I don't, ain't no telling. That's that poor movie. Next up. All right. Next up, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series has enlisted... Uh, Jody Harold as a new writer. Uh, Harold takes over writing the highly anticipated series from Hossein Amini, who left the project back in January. This would mark Harold's first time writing for a television series. He most recently executive produced John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum and is also writing the script for Zack Snyder's film Army of the Dead. He was one of two writers alongside James Vanderbilt, who was selected to develop a new take on the Transformers franchise for Paramount, which hopefully can only be better than previous iterations of the Transformers live-action movies. <laughs> Once again, we would hope. So, interesting. So, this got this dude... All right. Yeah, granted, that one piece of credit aside, I'm like, just, it's basically a newbie that, right. that's sticking over this. That's... Interesting. Hollywood still being Hollywood. Next up, um, James Gunn shares the plots for the never-made Scooby-Doo 3 movie. 
which apparently he was supposed to do. Um, on Twitter, a fan asked Gunn for plot details regarding the canceled Scooby-Doo 3. The director replied, uh, the Mystery Inc. gang is hired by a town in Scotland who complained that they're being plagued by monsters, but we discovered throughout the film the monsters are actual victims, are the actual victims, and Scooby and Shaggy have to come to terms with their own prejudice and narrow beliefs. Belief. Uh, and it says here, yes, really. So I guess that wasn't a joke. Wow, really? I guess I can't. I can't imagine Shaggy being at all prejudiced. I mean, zoinks. Um, you know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Again, I well, he says yes. It says here, yes, really. So I don't. I guess even if that was it comes in, maybe there's a reason why it hasn't. I don't know. I, so the fact that there are even two Scooby Doo live action movies or is a thing to me, regardless. That's that's some, some weird shit. <laughs> More so than Ant Man three coming. Yes, basically. That's funny. So, anyway, next up. Next up, Bird of Birds of Prey director Kathy Ann recently broke her silence regarding the film's disappointing box office performance. Uh, speaking with the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Kathy Ann expressed uh, her feelings regarding this and um, and the added pressures of making a female-led comic book movie. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, she thinks there were certainly different ways you could interpret the success or lack of success of the movie, but she feels that everyone was pretty quick to jump on a certain angle. Okay. that's I would agree with that. Because people were like, like basically trashing movie hit before it was in, which is nothing new. But also when it finally came out, you know, even though it actually did relatively decent, I guess. I mean, numbers aside. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I still haven't seen it yet. But we'll, we'll get to that after at some point. But so next up, um, Barbara Gordon confirmed for DC Universe's Titan season three, apparently. Um, Titan season three will add a version of Barbara Gordon to its roster, according to Titans director, cinematographer uh, Boris Majov- Majovsky. Oh shit, it's Mojo. Um, <laughs> Majovsky. <laughs> he jumped. He jumped universes, y'all. <laughs> um, where's Longshot? Anyway, uh, Majovsky confirmed the news in a Facebook Live interview with the Canadian Society of Cinematographers, though he didn't specify whether she would appear as Batgirl, Oracle, or simply herself. Which, I would imagine they'd probably do one of two of those. (laughs) Um, According to Majowski, Barbara Gordon will debut in the first episode of season three. Um, Our first episode will have a new character and it'll be Barbara Gordon, he explains. So, yeah. Next up. In some sad news, uh, young actor Logan Williams, who played the young version of Grant Gustin's Barry Allen on the CW's The Flash, passed away on April 2nd at the tender, young, way too soon age of 16 Mm. years old. Uh, The news of his passing was broken by Canada's Tri-City News, though the cause of death has not yet been made public. Uh, in addition to his role on The Flash, um, Logan Williams appeared in such television series as When Calls the Heart, Supernatural, and The Whisperers. In addition to the TV movie The Color of Rain, he was nominated for Best Newcomer at the 2015 UBCP Slash Actra Awards. 
Yeah, that's sad. Losing somebody that that uh, that young. We doesn't necessarily know why, but it kind of really doesn't matter. Yeah. So, uh, condolences go out to his family for that. Absolutely. Um, next up, um, HBO to stream 500 hours of free programming for hashtag stay home box office campaign. Uh, so, yeah, 500 hours of movies and shows are available to stream from free on HBO's website and or and uh, HBO Go. And I believe also HBO Now, which I still don't know the difference of. So and that started uh, f- um, actually as the, the time of this recording, April 3rd, which was a week ago. Uh, and it says for a limited time. Cool. Uh, what I was going to say is the difference between Go and Now is that Go is for subscribers of the cable package, I mean, and so Now is, is just for oh, yeah. standalone HBO streaming uh, on the app. But I thought you could. But I thought subscribers can also use Go. That's the point. That's what I'm saying. People, people who subscribe like this, like this uh, uh, idiot that's uh, speaking into the mic right now. Um, <laughs> You know, this guy right here, I can use Go, but uh, people who just want to subscribe to the streaming app can use Now. Okay. Sure. Like, it's still, that's still a weird distinction, but sure, I get it. But that's... Well, it's, a, it's just that you don't have access to access to it over uh, the, your cable subscription, but if you've got a Fire Stick or a smart right. TV, no, put on your TV. Yeah, I get that, but like I said, it's still a, a weird distinction. Uh, yeah. That, that they don't really clarify, though, or they didn't clarify with all that much. Either way, y'all, go ahead. Out, either way, stuff's out there for free. Go check it out. Sure. Um, there's the be wire. like me and try to watch. Right, you could be like me and and finally watch The Sopranos after nineteen or almost twenty years of it being out, and look at all of the antiquated technology and stuff that happens in it. But you know. It was popular at one point for a reason, so I'm just getting to it now. It's one of those shows that you have to admit to people that you haven't watched yet, and you get that that look of, you know, that you have three heads on your neck. And I have so. no shame, because I still have yet to see... Well, I have seen at least an episode, but I have not seen that nor The Wire, and I don't care. Just, wow! Just I have seen The Wire. I've seen most of Barry. I see that on their list. Right. I have not watched Succession, but that's new. Yeah. And I never I may have seen it. Yeah, I think I may have watched an episode of that also or something. But but also, if you don't care for any of those, you can also watch Detective Pikachu or the Lego Movie 2. Pika Pika. Yeah, exactly. Which actually, I kind of do want to watch that. Um, there you go. So, yeah. But yeah, there's a list here. I won't go into all of that. You can also watch Veep and True Blood. So, there you go. And a bunch of other stuff. No real sex, okay. sadly. Next up. Next up. Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, Fans watch- of Japanese action television series like Ultraman, Kamen Rider, or Kamen Rider, Kamen Rider and, yeah. and, and the Super Sentai shows that were popularized with Power Rangers will soon have a streaming option dedicated to tokusatsu or special effects-laden live-action television called Tokushatsu. But there's also a free alternative, Toei Tokusatsu World Official a newly launched YouTube channel showcasing vintage tokusatsu content. This went live on Monday, April 6th, and features some lesser-known tokusatsu series like Captain Ultra, Space Cop Gaven, Kikaider, or Kikaider, and and Space Iron Man Kyodane. 
There's even some older black and white tokusatsu content like National Kid and giant robot anime like God Sigma and Voltas 5 or Voltas V coming to Toei Tokusatsu World. Mm -hmm. That uh, absolutely betrayed my distinct unfamiliarity with that entire genre right there. <laughs> it's quite all right. But yeah, so it's worth noting that so Tokushoutsu is as basically a spin-off channel from Shout Factory. Uh Shout Factory who has a lot of this stuff. Well, they just actually put Common Rider, the 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 OG Common Rider, on their site for free. They also had a bunch of Super Sentai stuff, like you know the the stuff that that uh, Power Ranger takes the stuff from, uh, on their site for free. So you could already had uh, watched that stuff for free, but now they're getting some more stuff and adding to the pot with the. And apparently they are really, really, really. And there's some Ultraman on that site either. Uh, they also stream to Twitch uh, every Sunday for Super Sentai, but but that's mostly. Um, like the Super Sentai, you know, the Power Rangers stuff they can. Um, I think they did actually just do, they did do a Kamen Rider marathon on their channel. But regardless, the stuff is out there if you want to. And this Tokushatsu is another thing. The funny thing about that Tokushatsu thing is like the commercial for it is, um, is uh, being told by one Dr. Jason Narvi, who fans of the original Power Rangers know as Skull. And he pretty much looks the same, just older. And it's it's, it's like, wow, friend, Skull's a damn doctor now. <laughs> so that's kind of okay. so that's kind of funny for for folks in the know of that one. But regardless, go check this out. The free stuff is on YouTube, and uh, yeah, it is good stuff. And they're like, again, they are really, really trying to make uh, Kamen Rider and Ultraman a thing over here after 20, 30 years, fifty years. Next up, uh, now we're going into the uh, comic book news actually so yeah Joe Perez Marvel retrospective coming in December uh, Marvel comics is just Yes, I knew this would make one agent uh, agent of score seventy very happy. As a fan of George Ray Perez, as I mean, as like most of us here on on uh, Comic Con, just beyond and people in general, because hell, Perez's art is classic, uh, stuff is classic. Anyway, um, Marvel Comics book trade distributor Hatchet has listed a book called the book titled uh, "The Marvel Art of George Perel for sale in December. Perales is known for his multiple adventures runs from the 70s through the 90s, Yep, in which he relaunched the team alongside the writer Kurt Busiek. Busiek, excuse me. Uh, Perez also penciled the JLL Avengers Marvel DC 2003-04 crossover limited series and perhaps famously penciled the first part of Marvel's uh, Infinity Gauntlet limited series. That's crazy how long ago that JLA Avengers was. Know, 03, right? 04? Oh my god. I know, right? That's crazy. Uh, Perez announced his retirement from comics in January of 2019. Uh, apparently, we do not know the exact content of the book yet, but there's a description on it of it on Hatchet's website, which I will not go into. Right. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm here. excited. That's cool to have. I mean, you know, uh, as, a, as a long time fan of George Perez his Avengers work stands out for me because I am a Marvel guy but mm -hmm. uh, I think his seminal work is probably a toss up between Crisis on Infinite Earths which I freely admit I still have not worked through mm -hmm. Well, well, we got something else on the in the pot. Exactly. Then. We, I think, I, I think we're gonna have to drag at Matt Wang ninety seven in on that one because we were chatting the other night. 
Uh, he was uh, freely volunteering himself as a guest, and we may have to drag. Uh, that may be something to uh, entice PC and underscore dirt in without having to read too much ahead of time. Maybe just to refresh his recollection if we decide to do Crisis. Mm. But um, uh, yeah, that one would prove difficult to me. I think that would be like his magnum opus in a lot of people's eyes. But for me, I think his true handiwork was the precursor to that, which was. The new Teen Titans. Yes, 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 yes. That's I, that to me was, I think, the pinnacle of his, you know, storytelling and his artwork. But obviously, I have a soft spot for all of his Marvel stuff. Oh man, his Avengers runs are, are great. I loved, I love them. So yeah, I mean, granted, there was a couple of things in there that was like, eh, yeah, but yeah, they're wacky. You know, yes. that's the thing. They were kind. Of, it was kind of like. Uh, it was kind of a weird time for the Avengers books. All I have to say is Red Ronin mm-hmm. caught my eye right away as a kid. I was like, ooh, <laughs> that looks cool. Yes. You know? I still have that issue. So I think I have I think I have that one too. I got it as a as like a fifty cent back issue or something. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool. So but anyway, moving on as President Bartlett would ask. Much next. So I'll tell you what's next, Mr. President. Marvel's new Taskmaster. Spoiler alert. I know, right? Uh, Marvel's new Taskmaster kills a character and rocks Marvel's espionage world to its core. Uh, So this is a spoiler for uh, Jed McKay's and artist Alessandro Vitti's upcoming Taskmaster limited series that pits the skull-faced mercenary against Marvel's espionage community with life or death stakes. So the character that I'm referring to is not Phil Coulson, but another member of S.H.I.E.L.D. that is uh, part of the MCU cast of characters that was introduced there. I mean, that was uh, not introduced there first, but was introduced in the MCU as a member of uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. So that narrows down the list of characters that I could be referring to. Well, I mean, she was uh, in S.H.I.E.L.D. before then in the comics, files, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Uh, this was supposed to have been released April 1st, but since we do not know when this is coming out, it's fair to have rung the spoiler bell for that one. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And if you're watching the video, you've already been spoiled on who it is because you're watching it. You've seen it right there. And yeah. There it is. So next up, and well, I'm just saying there's not really that many people, more people. <laughs> like when I said she, that kind of narrows the pot down mm-hmm. a bit. Especially with main shield people. Anyway, Marvel's villains attack in unused Secret Wars cover art. Uh, Marvel's Tom Brevoort recently shared some unused covers for the original Secret Wars, uh, aka Marvel's uh, Secret Wars. Um, Marvel Comics' Secret Wars, you know what I'm saying. Uh, the original, original, original Secret Wars event um, that highlighted the bad guys. And it says here, in spite of this short coining, Secret Wars the Steel Clinton is considered one of the most iconic crossover events in comics. I'd agree. Recently, Marvel exec- Marvel's executive editor and senior vice president of publishing, Tom Bravort, shared some unused covers for the series from artist Mike Zek, which showcases the villains, the villain faction of the event. Um, uploaded onto Bravort's Twitter, the first cover features the villains charging into battle with several members opening fire. Ooh, pretty. I did not see this before. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't either. So I was like, matter of fact, I will just go ahead and let's pop this up here real quick so the other folks uh, on the video can see. Right. 
And for those who uh, are listening on uh, via podcast, you should definitely check out Tom Brevoort's Twitter to uh, check this out because it really is some pretty, pretty stuff. It's, you know, uh, uh, great Mike Zek stuff. Mm-hmm. And this first shot of the villains charging from left to right, it's kind of the uh, polar opposite of the cover to number one, which has all the heroes uh, uh, charging straight at you. So this is going left to right with all the villains of uh, the villains on the villain side in um, on the uh, the the Beyonders pre-picked the villains team. Right, and some would argue is like, well, why is Galactus there? He's not necessarily a villain, but he's not heroic either. So he was just kind of. Right. He's basically a force of nature, as he himself has said many, 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 many a time. Um, in fact, some of this stuff, a couple of these arts, I feel like they use some of this art for the inside because the, the the first one kind of looks like when the villain did actually attack, and I can't remember what issue that was. Was it six? I think it says here six, but it was like them go coming towards the camera. When they uh, went. there's a similar shot, right? There's a similar interior uh, shot. I think it's a splash page at the mm-hmm. end of issue number one. That's probably also true. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's at the in, at the end of issue number one because the villains are the first ones to find the alien technology yes. and the alien bases. Uh, you know, they, they're the first to set up their alien base, so they get so they obtain some uh, powerful alien weaponry and they initiate their attack. Uh, on the hero, the hero, the heroic forces who are still organizing themselves. Mm-hmm. And I folks, read uh, Secret Wars number one countless times. <laughs> and folks, if you haven't recognized uh, what that suggests, yes, we will probably end up reading uh, <laughs> Secret Wars again <laughs> during this. That's whole one. That's on the list. Yes, that is absolutely that is on, the, on list. the list. So moving right along, though, you could go check that out on Brevard. And you could check out Brevard's uh, Twitter and sign something. That did uh, trip sometimes. Um, Marvel still hasn't really resurrected the most famous dead mutant, which I feel like that's not true, um, according to this article. I feel like they did it quietly. I don't know. Anyway, well, I I was about to say I read this article, and essentially what they what they say uh, is that this character may have been resurrected, but without any sort of grand reintroduction. Right. Because I have feel like I have seen him. Recently, well, I mean, they have recently. Ring the spoiler bell. Sure, run it. We are talking about the character of Thunderbird, aka John Prodstar. Right, not the uh, not the Indian uh, of Asian descent, Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I know they, yeah, and then it goes into the introduction, his uh, his introduction and his uh, his history. Of, I dare say he. There was a running joke that was like, yeah, I think Thunderbirds died probably the most out of any X Men, including uh, Jean Grey. But whether those numbers actually bear out the case, we don't, you know. So, but yeah, like I said, I I feel like I've seen him recently, and um, I don't know. I, I may be blurring the fact that there was a, you know, there was um, you know, there was somebody that was his kin or somebody that showed up or something. Um, but yeah, there you go. That article's out there if you want to check that out. Next up. All right, next up. Uh, guess what? If you are behind on uh, your X-Men reading, um, Dawn of X 
rises on Marvel Unlimited. So uh, now that Hawkspox, I think, has hit uh, all of it has hit Marvel yes. Unlimited, oh, yeah. if not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's been hit. Yeah. So Dawn of X is hitting. So we're talking about X-Men, Marauders, um, expanding upon the world built in Hawkspox. So uh, uh, access to Marvel Unlimited for a lot of this stuff. Uh, and some of the now classic Marvel comics that are being featured is going to be free on Marvel Unlimited for one month until Monday, May 4th. So uh, what better way to spend your quarantine time? <laughs> yes, that's one. That's definitely one way. And speaking of, actually, um, going further off of that point, Marvel Unlimited announces free month of digital comics. Um, so yeah, Marvel Unlimited is offering free access to its site from April 22nd to May 4th. Uh, as the time of this recording, it is the 9th. So jump on that if you feel so, so inclined, Clyde, Clyde, um, allowing fans digital access to multiple titles and classic runs such as, uh, the Kree Skull War that we are going to talk about in a few short minutes. Yes, very soon, very soon. Hang in there, folks. Um, amongst the titles that are available are um, Avengers vs. X-Men, Civil War, uh, X-Men Milestones, uh, Dark Phoenix Saga, Avengers Crucible War, pre-mentioned, uh, and uh, Captain America Winter Soldier Ultimate. So yeah, there is, you know what? Hey, free for the next month or so. And you know what? Hey, guess what? We're doing these uh, these shows like this. You can get that in when we do Marvel stuff. You can be like, and if we do something that's already in there, which more than likely we should, because we'll probably be reading it from there, you can read along with us. It's almost like that Marvel podcast who already does this on a weekly basis. But it's us, and it's better. There you go. <laughs> or um, at least different. Uh, yeah. All right, next up, uh, in one of the, I guess, most ballyhooed matchups in that DC Marvel uh, universe crossover from oh my gosh I can't believe that was 1996 Wait, Marvel versus DC hang on hang on I think you skipped one oh I did skip one I'm sorry okay. Star Wars introduces the High Republic's new Jedi so apparently five new Jedi have been introduced all of which will appear in the Star Wars High Republic multi-platform publishing event. These new Jedi debuted in a new post on the official Star Wars website. The five individuals are the unquestioned heroes of the era, which is set 200 years prior to the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. So Anakin is nowhere to be found yet. Nope. Thank goodness. Yippee! According to Lucasfilm publishing creative director Michael Siglane, this is a hopeful, optimistic time when the Jedi are good and noble. Which means something's about to come along like the dark side and destroy it, as tends to happen every other millennium. Of um, course. So yeah, as you, if you're watching the video, you can see the concept art for said um, for said uh, Jedi, including this this beautifully rendered uh, black lady right here with the double sabers, um, and this lady here, whom uh, whose race I can't tell right about now, but that's fine. It no uh, the Wookiee one is not in this. I don't know why. It's a Twi'lek. That's not a Twi'lek. Um, there's some actually D&D as, D &D as names in here too, but that's, you know what, that's, that's Star Wars for you, so. Uh, anyway, that is that. And matter of fact, since you've went ahead and started, go ahead and take the next one. 
All right. Uh, as I was saying earlier, one of the more ballyhooed matchups in the Marvel versus DC crossover from 1996 was Superman versus the Hulk. And the fan vote had a minor spoiler alert for a book that was published in 1996, uh, Superman uh, emerging victorious over the Hulk. But Tom Brevoort uh, tweeted out unused artwork from artist Claudio Castellini that had the Hulk emerging victorious over Superman. So basically this was, uh, yeah, this was the, uh, the, 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 whatchamacallit, the backup store, right. uh, the backup art. Right. But wait, there was a, there was a, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It, so like you said, it was fan voted, which means it's basically like, Hey, if, if Jason Todd lived or not. And so this is what they didn't get to use because people are crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know. Anyway, we're gonna move forward for, for that. I don't know. I get some hate from that. Bring it. I don't care. That's that's. There's no way. I refuse to. That's that. fine. Yeah. You know. Actually, I need to read that again if I could ever find it. I don't think I can. Um, how I was about to, to say I could dig up my copies. <laughs> They're in my box in, in some long boxes downstairs. So nice. Uh, but until then, how to bid on Jim Lee's COVID-19 charity illustrations. So, yeah, the DC's comic creative office, uh, the creative office, Jim Lee, officer, that's supposed to be, um, <laughs> anyway, never mind, has offered details on how to bid for his original artwork, the proceeds of which will go to help comic shops. So, yeah, um, I think this is actually still going on, is it not? Because I thought... yes. It's supposed to be 60 days of uh, 60 sketches over 60 days. And he actually just uh, announced that Art Adams is going to be participating in this as well. Nice. That'll be dope. So, yeah, you can yeah. see um, you can go to uh, Jim Lee's Instagram and check out some of the stuff that is being actually all the stuff I would imagine is being um, auctioned off uh, to this. So that's great. And in other news related to that. Uh, DC donates $250,000 to charity for comic book stores. Uh, this is being uh, donated to the Book Industry Charitable Foundation to provide support for comic book retailers and their employees during this time of hardship and beyond. Uh BINC or BINC is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to assisting booksellers in need, including comic book sellers. In the past, BINC has offered financial assistance to comic book stores affected by natural disasters and other unexpected financial crises. So, cool. yeah, good job on that. Yeah, that this probably should have been before that last one, but you know, hey. <laughs> One way or the other, it gets out there. Uh, DC 1935 to 2014 complete collection, the Sotheby's Sotheby's catalog. So Sotheby's auction house announced a private sale of DC complete, the Ian Levine uh, collection on Monday, uh, this past Monday, April 1st, apparently, which I honestly thought was an April Fool's Day joke. Okay. Uh, because obviously, you know, you can't really trust that much coming out of the first. I'm still actually not convinced, but nevertheless, I'm here. We are. Um, it is a one. It is a collection that. Oh, hang on, back up. Uh, it is an offering of every comic book published by DC from 1935 
1935 to 2014, totaling over 40,000 issues, uh, including complete runs of Superman, Batman, Action Comics, and Detective Comics through 2014. If this indeed does end up being a hoax, then, hey, I will tell you I have had my interpretations. But I still put it in the news section. That's impressive. Yeah. So if this is, that's a, wow. That's got to go for a grip. Yep. Um, so yeah, the collection is available now and is on view at Sub Southern Bees, and yeah, there it is. So you can go check it out. Uh, price available upon request, and you know what they say about that. If you got ah. asked about the price, you can't afford it. That's funny. Next up. You want to take this one? Sure, I'll, tra- I'll trade you uh, this one because I know you're a fan of this White Knight uh, concept and comic book series. Sure, why not? Except for this doesn't have anything to do with that. But the creator of, and that is Sean Murphy reveals concept art for upcoming creator-owned book. Um, so yeah, Batman, Curse of the White Knight writer, artist Sean Gordon Murphy uh, has revealed several pieces of concept art for a planned creator-owned series. The untitled series star um, a team of misfits, misfits from s- different genres and plans to release it as an 88-page uh, original graphic novel. Murphy intends to debut the series with an Indiegogo campaign. He has crowdfunded several projects in the past. And if you're watching the v- uh, video version of this, you can see the concept art that is off of his Instagram. So that's cool. I don't, it still doesn't say, it doesn't necessarily say here uh, what it is, but it doesn't have a title yet, and it's probably on the Kickstarter or on the Indiegogo page. So you can go check, find that and check that out through All right. Instagram. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to um, put in an addendum to the Jim Lee COVID-19 charity illustration story. I just hit up the the eBay page and uh, searched for Jim Lee charity and found uh, the original sketch of Batman Red Rain by Jim Lee. It's a 9 by 12 black and white. The bidding, there's 45 bids on it. It is now up to $10,550. That's crazy. It is a nice sketch. Uh, he did a doomsday that's still up there. It's at uh, $4,750. That's $4,750. Mm. There is an original sketch of Batman Beyond from Arkham Knight that is up there for $6,700. So uh, if you have that kind of spare cash to help out this chari- charitable cause, please, please consider bidding. Yeah. And with that, Right, and, uh, and 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 as I said, that was an addendum to that story. The next story is uh, kind of a downer, but I knew that this was too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Despite being positioned by some members of the comic book press less than uh, within 48 hours um, as the solution uh, that quote-unquote saved the comic book direct market, the team behind the proposal involving the Comic Hub suite of tools are pulling back their plans for a temporary retail solution to the suspension of service by Diamond Comic Distributors as a result of COVID-19. Um, the Comic Hub Advanced Digital Reader Copy Initiative is not going forward anytime soon, according to retailer John Hendrick of Big Bang Comics. Um that uh, he had taken the lead, uh, one of the lead roles on that. Um, 
he adds that it's obvious from the concerns voiced by their retailer peers that this is not an initiative that they can get behind. It was designed by people who love comics with the best of intentions to get cash flow uh back moving into the comic book industry from the retailer all the way up to distributors and publishers in a nutshell um what this was supposed to be was uh, a way to get digital comics into the hands of readers and where, where readers would be essentially paying for the promise of getting the physical copy when they were back being distributed after the uh quarantine measures are lifted yeah, but never no more. So nope. that sucks. But here we are, folks. This is how we get shows like today's or tonight's. Pretty much, yeah. So I mean, well, I guess some would argue that sometimes that could be that could be a good thing in some respect. But at the same time, no, we would. Hey, we would. New comics would be a good thing right about now for folk. Mm-hmm. Um. Next up, Yin Press Shuffle's release schedule will not solicit for September 2020, which now that I think about it, um, I wonder if we're going to get any uh, solicits for the next couple of months. Uh, but anyway, uh, while COVID-19 pandemic uh, reaching is reaching epic proportions, Yen Press has decided to shuffle many of its releases while holding off uh, on solicitation for September 2020. The decision came after seeing how the pandemic was affecting its key distributors and retailers as well as fans and readers of Yen Press books. So yeah, in a statement, the manga company said, we must remain as nimble as possible and respond to changing market conditions. Uh, with that in mind, we have evaluated our publishing schedule for the next months, several months, and determined that our best course of action is to forego the solicitation of our September 2020 catalog, which we would normally be finalizing in the next week or so. Um, instead, we will be taking the books previously solicited for May, August, May through August and relisting those titles through the May-September period. So yeah, there will probably be more stories of that coming through. If you know, outside of the ones we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Next up, next up, writer Larry Hama, a longtime GI Joe writer. I can hear my. Don't know why. Um, I'm not sure why either. That's wild. So we apologize, ladies and gentlemen, for this minor glitch. You're also cutting out a little bit, but. Interesting. Okay, yeah, you sound better now, but okay. Okay. So, I can hear myself. I end up having to take off my headphones. Writer Larry Palmer has revealed that IDW Publishing has told him to suspend any current writing work on his long GI a real hero series hmm okay not sure what's going on you are cutting out kinda but we, we heard what you said but you're still kinda it kinda comes in like that sorta so I'm not sure what's going on there uh, and I haven't changed the thing so hopefully that's um, yeah, hopefully it's temporary yeah um, and hopefully the recording is getting you if nothing else but yeah, uh, so yeah, Larry Hama, uh, long to, yeah, like I said, yeah, that's um, you know, the the uh, all, it's on hiatus because of everything going on, just like every other thing is. So, 
apparently he says he's got pencils down on a storyline that he's been doing for 275 issues and a lot of stuff, you know. So, yeah. Uh, so let's actually kind of push these, push through these things a little bit faster than. Yeah, we're almost done. Yeah, no. Uh, Legend of hey, Cars. I got rid of the, I got rid of the Echo. Oh, sweet. Nice. And actually, you, yeah, you're not uh, popping out either. So, Legend of Korra's live read, let us watch Korra and Asami's be uh, be adorably lovely. So, apparently, they did a uh, live read from The Legend of Korra Turf Wars Part 1, which is a Dark Horse Comics uh, release. It is the first part of a graphic novel trilogy taking place immediately after the events of the series Legend of Korra. If that wasn't clear, uh, voice actors Janet Varney and Seychelle Gabriel reprise their roles of Cora and Asami, respectively, bringing the pages of Michael Dante DiMartino's uh, Irene Coe and Vivian Ng's work to life as they embodied the story of the Avatar and her girlfriend on their first dates. Give it a watch. So, yeah, um, I think this is there might be an absurd that is right here on the article itself. You can go check that out. And it looks like um, Dark Horse has shared the excerpt from the reading as a free download for folks to read along with the apt actors. So that's cool. Next up. All right. So, uh, hmm. My echo has returned. Give me one second. Just to do something. One second. All right. Oh, man. Original fixed work. Live broadcasting, folks. Yep, that's it. That is it. All right. Uh, Oh, wow. None of this is... Hmm. Well, now I'm on a delay. But in any event, uh, the nominees for this year's best graphic story or comic for the Hugo Awards have been announced. Winners are normally announced during the Worldcon, but with this year's event canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic, when or if the Hugo Award ceremony will be held has not been revealed. Worldcon is in New Zealand. Alrighty. So yeah, stay tuned because I'm pretty sure you know we will get more on that when the um, when everything is announced and done with. I think that's later on this year or next year. I can't remember when the Hugos are. Uh, next up, Franco Francesco Francavilla has a new comic book they covered. Uh, With most publishers foregoing new releases amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic due to Diamond Comics' distributor's current closure, many fans are jonesing for new comics for the second uh, Wednesday in a row, and writer-artist Francesco Francofelia has them covered. Uh, Francofelia, known for his work on Detective Comics, Zaro, and and more, posted a free four-page story entitled uh, Invasion on his Twitter. Uh, And you can see here is uh, the first of it. Uh, And that links directly to his um, his Twitter account. And if you're not already um, 
uh, following Francesco Francavilla. What are you doing? <laughs> really, because his art is great. I mean, he has his his style is still is is pretty great for for what he does. So you should go check that out. Uh, next up, uh, last but not least in uh, news, Todd McFarlane announced just the other day that. Uh, hold on, I want to get eight on this. Where's this published? This literally published like within the last two days. I'm talking about April seventh or eighth. Mm-hmm. So when McFarlane announced this, uh, it's for a remastered original action figure and comic remastered. Uh. If you pledge $40, you get a classic spawn that is uh, a seven-inch scale spawn as opposed to, I think, the five-and-a-half-inch that the original spawn was or five-inch scale. So this is more like the Diamond Select scale. And um, uh, if you pledge $40, you get a classic spawn seven-inch scale figure. If you pledge uh, more than 40, you get a modern spawn. You get you can get an artist proof spawn. Um, if you do eighty, you can get an autograph classic spawn or 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 autograph modern spawn or whatever with an autograph from Todd McFarlane himself. And if you uh, choose to buy the three pack, you can get uh, extra heads. Uh, you know this is all the stuff that action figure people love. If uh, I was a bigger spawn guy, I might be tempted by that. Hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you on that one also. I mean, because it does look good. If you're watching the video, you can see, one, the difference in the original uh, the original figure and the, the remastered one, and it looks great. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. And this is just prototype stuff. So mm-hmm. we, we haven't even gotten to uh, to uh, any, anything final. And what's funny is that uh, the original goal was 100,000. They're up to 916,000. Right. So they're definitely going to be uh, plenty of people ordering this. Yep. So, yeah, and you too can get in on that. So if you go seek that out. Yeah, it's over there on Kickstarter. Yes, exactly. So, And if you're watching the video, you can see exactly what to search for. So, And I'm pretty sure if you follow Topics Follow, and he's been talking about it on his Twitter. So, yeah, there you go. And with that, I watched folks, the video. It's pretty, uh, you know, he's pretty excited about it. And I, I, I kind of like that. He's, uh, you know, that this is something that he would do because obviously he delved into, he dove into the toy market uh, fairly early on. So it's pretty cool that he would bring back uh, one of the, uh, well, I mean, the launch product really of his entire toy line. Right, I was about to say. Do it, right, and redo it now in a more modern with a more modern take. Mm-hmm. So, hey, good on him. <laughs> yep. I kind of, I kind of also wonder is like, I feel like. I don't know the man like that. It's like I kind of feel like what one it makes sense all the way around, but it's also like, hmm, you know what? That original figure, he probably saw that original figure on the shelf. It's like, you know what? We can do that better. Of course. <laughs> like, yeah, growing pains, you know, what it was, and you know, like you show a proof of concept from stuff he did then to to now type of situation, you know, type of thing. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, we. So this is a pretty good excuse to to uh, to remaster it. You know. I mean, I'm not that big a fan of the DC figures that they recently did, that McFarlane Toys recently did, having obtained the DC right. license. But 
at the same time, I've only seen them in packaging. I have not actually handled them. So uh, I would like to, quote unquote, play with them for a little while to, to see you know, if they are worth getting. But, you know, I mean, just based off of looks alone, I, I had to pass. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I've, I've had the opportunity to buy every single one of the, the modern ones and the animated series ones and i just i I let them i let those opportunities pass because i just wasn't that enthusiastic about them fair enough so but hopefully the spawn you know because it's not you know it's it's not meant to supplant the dc universe style of figure Mm -hmm. you know the the actual dc universe figures that actually probably closely resembled the marvel legends designs these are a little bit more stylistic than that so um, yeah, you know, the McFarlane designs are a little bit more stylistic, so uh, and they're bigger scale, they're the seven inch scale, not the six inch scale. So, um, you know, I'd like to talk to some collectors, see if anyone picked those up, and see how they uh, how they compare. And surely we know enough of them to be able to find someone, sure. Uh, and with that, folks, um, we are at the end of the news section. We were recording before we get into our topic of the night, we are going to do an ad read. Our first ad read of the night. Uh, this is a favorite for a quarantine, uh, for a qu- for our time of quarantine uh, during COVID nineteen, which is Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine de- delivered right to your door, from rosé to cabernet to torronze. Wink has over one hundred styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now, folks, we get into the topic that we have for tonight, and that is the Kree Scroll Scroll War from 1971. And I would like to say, before we go into this, a little caveat here. This is from 1971. Therefore, the language used in this uh, event, if you plan on reading along, or actually plan on reading this after this or whenever, is different. It's a different time. There is, it's a little problem, problematic. We should go ahead and say that. I would dare say not even a little problem, like, but just, but considering other things that are worse, no, this is, yeah. So just bear that in mind if you plan on reading this. We probably won't go into all of the problematic stuff that, that's in here because it kind of tells on itself. Right. I mean, early. there's multiple issues that have it. Uh, what we're what we are discussing is a storyline that essentially starts in Avengers number eighty nine, mm-hmm. published on or about June tenth of nineteen seventy one, and spans through Avengers uh, issues number ninety, ninety one, ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, and most of 
or at least part of issue number 98. So that is nine issues worth of books. So uh, bear with us as we uh, uh, make our way through this seminal story. This is something that uh, we were joking about earlier, uh, either on the air or just prior to going on the air that uh, the Kree-Skrull War was something I had only ever read about in the Ohatmu, otherwise known as the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, and had seen uh, little clips of art uh, that were lifted from the storyline and put into the handbook for reference. And uh, so many characters had parts to play in the story. And if you read their bios, you would see... Uh, you would learn about this particular storyline and just bear in mind uh, uh, that uh, the reason why we are discussing this is because a current or at least a soon to be storyline emerging in uh, Marvel Comics, uh, it was actually supposed to start when uh, lockdown quarantine went into effect in a lot of um, the bigger cities in the United States Um Empire was supposed to start right around the time when lockdown went into effect. So um, when we come back out of quarantine, we will likely jump right into Empire, depending. Obviously, this is all conditioned upon what uh, the, the, the comic book publishers decide to put out when we're finally able to go back into comic book stores to get our stuff. So um, we'll see. But thinking that empire is going to be one of those stories that we are going to um start or or restart things with we thought it was prudent to go into one of those uh storylines that draw that uh lays very deep background for the empire storyline and uh if you're familiar with some of the things that have been teased for empire it definitely involves the kree and the scrolls. Mm-hmm. And there are some reward allegories that come out in the midst of this, which we will start to get to right now. So we first start off with uh, Avengers number 89. Uh, no good alien is a dead alien, I believe is the name of it. In fact, let me pull up this thing because I. Oh, sucks. Right. The cover, right. The cover page, the cover is says the only good alien is a dead alien and the uh, opening splash as the title of the book as the only good alien. This is um, written by Roy Thomas with art by Sal Buscema uh, and inks by Sam Granger and Sam Rosen on letters. And um, this is Sal Buscema when he's still sort of aping his big brother, John. Uh, you could definitely tell that he had not really adapted or adopted the, the the more angular style that he became more known for in the 80s and 90s. Right. There's definitely a much softer uh, shape to his uh, line work. But uh, we start off this issue with uh, a character that I was never all that familiar with. Who I'm referring to is the Cree Captain Marvel, and I can tell you that before we get into the synopsis of this story and how we move forward into the Cree Scroll War story, I can tell you that his characterization 
because I'm so because the character is so foreign to me, his characterization really rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, yo, this this guy's a jerk. Why am I even rooting for this guy at all? There were a lot of characters of a similar ilk back then that were that did definitely come off as jerks. Now, also, uh, side note, some of some folks may know the character of Marvel from the Captain Marvel movie, played by I believe uh, Annette Bening, or, or at least a version of Marvel. Uh, right. So yeah. But that being said, yeah. Uh, we go into this when we see, uh, and as a matter of fact, for the video, uh, for the video folks, you can see images of the first page because I got that um, popped up. You see Mar- uh, Marvel uh, basically skulking in the shadows uh, and hiding from the three Avengers, uh, uh, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and the Vision, who are looking for him for a reason that we are not told at the at the time. Uh, they give chase. There's a little battle. He gets away, but only to get shot by uh, Rick Jones. And then we get a, um, we basically get the um, the reason as to why they are after Marvel. Um, I need a better synopsis than the one I have. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, what happens in this issue is we get uh, we get we, we become familiar with Marvel's recent history mm-hmm. because. They actually uh, uh, annotate the book and say that you should refer back to recent events in the Captain Marvel book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they explain how Rick Jones and Marvel essentially switch places in the negative zone. Um, uh, you know, this is a, a kind of a symbiotic, symbiotic relationship that they have. And, you know, that's something that is, it's a little hard to it's a little hard to grasp. I mean, obviously, this is 70s Marvel. So they were, you know, they were they were they were throwing everything they could and were probably very heavily under the influence. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a, a nice way to put it. Because right. As a matter of fact, we'll go ahead and say now, because um, a lot of these old uh, events had a tendency to jump around and thing into things like for because as you will see in a, the next issue it's like what in the world does this have to do with what's what happened in the last issue not much except for some you know except for well i think in certain issues not much a couple of issues specifically not much but there are some right. that are either tangentially or tangentially or directly but it just kind of takes a while to get to that point right remember this is pre-event comic book storytelling right so this is something if there was ever a slow burn event this is one of them yes and in certain cases um, like i was talking to agent seven beforehand there are times and just like you said earlier where the uh the issue before and or after the event may still have some lay some stuff down that has to do with the event. In this case, the the book before it does not, but um, after when it kind of does. So yeah. Right. Anyway, um, I mean, just to wrap. I was about to say just to wrap the the Captain Marvel Rick Jones stuff in this issue. We basically uh, kind of cancel out the uh, exchanging of places in this issue, where right. they both where they are able to bring back uh, actually. Uh, bring both Marvel and Rick Jones out of the negative zone and into 
the positive zone into the you know into into uh, Earth's dimension, mm-hmm. and in the process they uh, repel a potential invasion from who else is in the negative zone but Annihilus. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially the crux of this issue. Who will who, who will come back at later issues, at a later right. issue, and for one reason or another. So yeah, that's the, basically the gist of this one. Um, oh, but also, we do have something at the end. I was about to say, don't forget what happens at the end because this is really what wraps into the Kree Scroll War. Yes, uh, because if I'm not mistaken, hold on a second. Let me get back. Matter of fact, I'm going to get to that page right now while you tell while you tell the folks that. Right. So at the end, what we see is a, ha- a plan hatched by none other, none other than Ronan the Accuser. He of the loser of the dance battle at the end of the first Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy movie. So what are you doing? Dance off, bro. So um, he is usurping the power of the uh, Kree Supreme Intelligence here. We it's called the Intelligence Supreme. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is old. Um, right. Although in later issues, he does go by Supreme Intelligence, or the, he is called the Supreme Intelligence. It just so happened. To, and the, yeah, a lot of things, as much as other things in these uh, classic books, some things kind of get flip-flopped around and, and kind of loosey-goosey back then. Right, 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 right. And uh, it's kind of cool that you see um, the the return of the Cree Century. Now you understand why the Cree Century was the build a figure in the Captain Marvel Marvel Legends um, wave that supported the movie. Um, I don't know anyone who actually built the Cree Century, <laughs> but anyway. So yeah. that you know that that uh, you know the Sentry appears at the end of the, this issue, uh, sent on a mission by Ronan to go after Marvel, who is still not up to speed after being uh, pulled out of the negative zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, part of his um, expulsion out of the negative zone meaning he doesn't have some of the same powers uh, that he did post pre that because when he was exchanged with uh, Rick Jones he could only stay on earth for like three hours uh, he had the mega bands with him not the mega bands but he had um, I guess there were, there were the mega bands um, and he could fly which he can't right. do now so, but he could still but he's still strong and he still has his uh, I will keep wanting to call it the unibeam and that's totally not right his, it is uh, the unibeam wait is it it is. It's the Unibeam. Every time he says it, I think of uh, Iron Man exactly. in Marvel vs. Capcom. Exactly. And it's like, Unibeam! But anyway. Yeah, um, every time he says it, ah. And you will hear that again because it'll come out and we'll have some of the stuff in the notes. Anyway, so yeah, that is the end of um, issue 89. We go into issue 90. Which, let me pull up the cover here. Uh, and the cover says, Judgment Day. Uh, and you see a fallen wasp and a an ape-like uh, figure and our hero of Avengers, which, by the way, I guess we should go ahead and um, say this off the bat. So the team of the Avengers at this time, which granted that cover box art, if you're watching the video, is a little misleading. Definitely. Uh, consists of Vision, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye, a.k.a., well, excuse me, uh, it's Goliath, but it's Clint Barton. Right. Uh, who took um, Hank Pym's uh, growth serum for months prior to this, and as you can see, that's going to come in the, during the end. Uh, at the end, during this uh, this particular event, but nevertheless, right. it was a change of it was a change of character for Hawkeye. Right. But they are so the this characters. next issue, right? This issue number uh, what is it? Ninety now. Ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, 
This issue number 90 is titled Judgment Day. It's uh, written again by Roy Thomas and again with art by Sal Buscema. Yep. And here we basically have our fab for, um, again, after the events of last issue, you know, we see the the um, decree century come about. Um, who's after Marvel? Who's got? Who's um, also? We actually we totally forgot the one thing after at the last issue. So the reason why they were going after Marvel at the last issue because he had been exposed to radiation and they were fearful that he was going to cause uh, a major explosion. And so they were the Avengers, mind you, without telling him this, you know, <laughs> um, were going after him to subdue him so that they could siphon off the radiation of it, which they do with the help of the Vision. Uh, who is getting? Who got weakened from it, and also Marvel got got weakened from it. Thus enters the Sentry in this issue, who is after Marvel, and uh, ends up getting him after a uh, confrontation with uh, with the Avengers. Uh, it basically ends up takes him. Rick Jones is also there. Um, yeah, that's something I wanted to add. Rick Jones is conspicuous in these issues. Oh, yeah. But then there's a reason why he's around at the end. We mm-hmm. won't spoil it till we get there. Which has never made sense to me. Well, it never made sense to me in the original reading. But, yeah, we'll get to that. And But but you can see it in, in fun reflection. Anyway. So, yeah. And you see the fight between, um, you know, between... The, the Avengers and Marvel, and then the Sentry's like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey!" You know, the basically the the Sentry ends up getting them and says, "Hey, we're gonna enact this plan." And, and Marvel's like, "Nope, don't do it, don't do it." You know, kill me, just don't do it, because whatever this plan is, is is something really, really terrible. But mm-hmm. then the Sentry uh, gets some new plans uh, because he's working for, and um, as we have said from the last issue, he's working for Ronan the Accuser. He gets new orders. And uh, whisks away with Marvel, leading the, the Avengers to give chase. But first, they meet up with one um, because they are um, Cape, at Cape Canaveral. Uh, they meet up with one pre Miss Marvel, Cap Carol Danvers. Not Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel. So some of y'all don't know she was Miss Mar- Miss Marvel before she was um, uh, Captain Marvel. It was before she was binary, before she was Warbird. Yes, her- <laughs> Yeah, and as a matter of fact, so this this issue takes place after she gets bombarded with the Cyclomicrotron, but before she ends up becoming uh, Miss Marvel. And she was a uh, a um, a notable person in Captain Marvel's series, the original right. Captain Marvel's series, who is Marvel here, by the way. Uh, so she comes up, asks some questions, and she comes back up a little bit later, um, which is... Like you kind of wonder, like, wait, why is she even showing up? This is like just kind of taking away from stuff. But anyway, she comes up, asks some questions, does something. Then the, the Avengers kind of are like, all right, fine, we'll answer your questions. Then go to try to find, um, to try to find Marvel, um, which they do eventually. Well, actually, wait, don't do. Did they do it in this one? But yeah, we get a little bit of backstory on the the Sentry uh, and what he's doing on Earth and his fight with uh, the Fantastic Four whom they have lovingly put, you know, footnotes, because they used to do that a whole, whole lot in in these classic books. Hey, read this other book that we want you to read, because this is, you know, (laughs) in case you want to know what this person is. But yeah, and then we talk about, there's a little bit of history uh, with Marvell and him coming to Earth, and then him, you know, uh, him and Rick Jones' symbiotic relationship, that all that comes up in the course of this issue. So, you know, a little bit of backstory and some stuff. Um... 
Right. We also get a really funky design for a Quinjet in this. Yes. I was like, whoa, I have never seen this Quinjet design before. I need to read some of the early stuff. <laughs> yeah, before they settled on the, the familiar A-shape of the, of the Quinjet, um, yeah, they definitely had a, a couple of things. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you're watching the video, you can see said uh, you can see it said in that bottom the bottom two panels. Um, right. Right. So once we get this little bit of backstory and uh, uh, basically helping of readers of the basically helping readers who don't read the Captain Marvel book get up to speed with Captain Marvel's history, mm-hmm. that's essentially what you know, like the first like five six pages of this book are. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least the, the previous page, five or six pages, we get to what seems like a side <laughs> mission. Right. They just do a total shift change. It was like, okay, we got all of this, and next thing you know, the Avengers are off to um, help uh, Aven- um, original Avenger Janet Van Dyne, a.k.a. the Wasp, when her and... Uh, and so previous to this, her and... Um, Hank Pym, who was going by Yellow Jacket at the time, left, had to leave of action for the Avengers. None of that really matters all that much, but it kind of does come up in the, in the course of the event. Uh, they go off to help Janet, who um, was investigating something with her and Hank, and Hank disappears uh, during the course of this. And again, some problematic thing happens in the course of that, because as Janet is explaining what happened to her uh, and uh, Hank... He does something that uh, I'm sure Marvel editors will um, probably try to gloss over again like they have with Hank Pym's abusive problems. And the fact that he smacks her, uh, smacks her, knocks her out, and then sends the dragonfly basically to get away while he goes to investigate what was going on with what we end up finding out to be, which I'll go ahead and say, be a um, Kree base and plot to um to do something to the earth right and that's that's how this sort of relates to the kree scroll war mm-hmm. so uh we again find uh the sentry and ronan uh hanging out in uh what is this the arctic circle yes and what their you know what their what their big plan is is to uh devolve uh, humanity, uh, you know, to a point where um, they're just, you know, walking monstrosities and they want to ring the death knell of the human race. And uh, they have uh, created some technology to um, basically turn back time. Hello, Cher. Um, you know, uh, essentially they're called Evo Rays. They're not Mitsubishi Evo cars, but. Uh, Evo rays, which um, uh, hurl back uh, all life along an evolutionary path to the state in which the Kree first found them uh, centuries ago. Right. So they're basically uh, devolving humans so they could basically retake over the planet again. Which we will come to find out that there are some other uh, Kree involved folks that end up coming up with uh, coming up in this storyline for reasons upon reasons um and with that let me see so yeah that gets that all that happens uh the avengers pretty much deal with that they save hank pym uh uh i believe marvel and the sentry takes off again if i'm not mistaken um 
Hold on a second. Well, are we jumping into the next issue already? Because yeah. we end issue 90 with um, we find out what actually happened to Hank Pym. Right. So we find out that he has been devolved into cave, you know, like pre-caveman uh, status. So that's where we end issue number 90 with. Well, yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Because he was still in that state going into the night. I forgot this was a two-parter. Um, right. So, yeah. Um, so after the fight. And also Goliath, um, a.k.a. Clint Barton, had been uh, brainwashed and working with the Sentry. So right. going into the next issue, which is issue 91... Um, right. On. It's called. It's titled "Take One Giant Step Backward." Again, written by Roy Thomas with art by Sal Buscema. Mm-hmm. And as I pull up the, uh, there we go. As I pull up the the cover, uh, you see that there. You see the Sentry and Goliath um, going against the rest of the Avengers while Marvel is uh, hemmed up. Exactly. And basically, the the crux of this issue is that uh, the. Uh, the Avengers fight, you know, there's a whole... Oh, yeah, I forgot. There's a whole thing, and I think this is the issue... Wait, do I have it in my notes? I believe this is the issue where we start seeing uh, Vision uh, kind of... or It's either this issue or the next issue, but it is the issue where Vision uh, and the Scarlet Witch is a little... Well, not little, but, you know, their uh, love affair it kind of starts. starts. Issue, yeah. Yeah. Even, I don't know if it starts here. I, you know, I'd have to read more Avengers issues from this era, but it definitely is obvious in this issue. Well, no, this is the, this is definitely the start of where all of that came from. Oh, really? Okay. Because yes. mm-hmm. before that, like, well, I think there there may have been a couple of issues that kind of started hinting of it, but this is where it definitely kind of shown up properly in the, in this yeah. event. Um, Understood. And and with to which everybody's well, like which people around him are like, wait, Vision's like feeling some kind of way when Wanda's brought up type situation. That, does it mean that he's in? Nah, it couldn't be. He's an android, you know that kind of stuff. Right. And I think it comes out like after this event, if I'm not mistaken, that it really kind of blossoms. And obviously Pietro being a dick about it, and well, that's actually some of that's in here. Regardless, um, so yeah, we get we get. Uh, status of Hank Pym in, in his um in his uh Neanderthal form and what he does with Jan kind of takes her away which honestly could be you know how they treat a woman in this in this time right probably previously this time anyway um and the fight between them and the, the Avengers and that ends up uh I believe coming to a close during the course of this um by one way shape or form Goliath gets taken out by Vision, you know, because Vision has the the power of uh, density shifting, which so he takes out Goliath with that. Uh, and there was a conversation between he and P, uh, he and Quicksilver about why he wasn't fighting before now, and that came out after things happened. And you know, like I said, there was a whole lot of and these issues have a whole lot of exposition in them. I am a fan of it because I I, I kind of enjoy it, but at the same time, reading with now eyes it's like yeah i can see where people can <laughs> i can see why people can, can be a little, little um um upset by well, i don't i don't want to say jeez my my audio is gone wacky Mm-mm. but in in any event it's not necessarily that it's difficult to read there's just a lot to read right there's okay. just a lot of words on every page i'll give you an example the Page 
on which we're actually introduced to the current status of the Kree Scroll conflict. Mm-hmm. There's two, three, four, five uh, panels on a page, and I don't want to count the words <laughs> because so, there's that many on there. So, and again, like I said earlier, there. This is nothing new to, to comics of the same era because they use a lot of uh, exposition and a lot of flowery text in a lot of cases so it's like so new readers reading this is like wow that's weird also uh, in this issue like we did say so yeah this is absolutely where Wanda and uh, Wanda and Vision's thing kind of started even as you see in this video they almost kiss mm-hmm now, granted, they still haven't at this point. They still haven't really, um, you know, talked about her or anything like that. But we start to get the sense that they definitely do like it. If it wasn't clear before that they had feelings up for each other before now, which, like I said, again, this is when that's all this came up. You kind of get that sense now. It's just that it starts to from here on. It starts to kind of blossom, as it were. Sure. So yeah. Anyway, to finish out the the um, the the issue. Uh, like I said, the fight uh, ends. We get a whole lot more, a little bit more about uh, the evolved Hank Pym and what he does, does during the course of this. Uh, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. But basically, the fight's over. The Avengers right. won. And, what uh, I was going to add, what I was going to add is hold that thought. What I was re- referencing is um, the, I guess the uh, the rekindling of the uh, of the war between the the Kree and the Skrull, and that's what causes Ronan to uh, retreat. He flees basically to go to the aid of the rest of the Kree Empire, right. and leaves the Century by itself, and things go poorly for the Century. Yep, as we see in this uh, page right here. Uh, that you're seeing on the video. So yeah, Ronan bugs out before that, and this is when we see what's going on with. This is when we get to the thick of the stuff that is going on in the Kree War. Ronan bugs out, leaving the Sentry. That's pretty much that. Avengers go home, and every, and everybody gets the evolved. This also um, starts out a set of events that which we find out next issue because. Hank Pym was not the only one uh, that was de-evolved. There were like these three scientists that was also there, and they got de-evolved in, in the process. So what we find out next issue, which I guess we will go ahead and go into. Right. They prove to be consequential in the story that follows. Mm-hmm. So in the next issue, issue number 92, um, the title is All Things Must End. And it's written by Roy Thomas and again drawn by Sal Buscema. Mm-hmm. As you see the um, the cover of said um, said issue, which will bring about something that happens later on in the story. Uh, and where are my notes? Oh shoot! Right. I, I mean, I'll, I was about to say I'll, I'll I'll get things started. The issue opens with uh, the Vision, the Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver uh, basically looking to get some R and R after coming back from the Arctic Circle, and. Uh, Jarvis comes in and says, hey, you guys need to read the paper. That shows you what time and place this was. Um, You guys need to read the paper in the Daily Bugle. The headline is Alien Plot to Conquer Earth Disclosed. And guess who spilled the beans? Right. So, yeah. And matter of fact, yeah, there's a little conversation like Jarvis comes in, almost knocks over Wanda. And then there's a whole lot of, you know, there's a couple of 
different um, basically like that problematic um, language in how Wanda was being treated in these last couple in these last pages but regardless if we get to the thing in the yeah so that happens so we find out that the technicians that were also de-evolved end up spilling the beans uh, to the to the public which leads to public outcrying that the Avengers are harboring the uh, Marvel and there are aliens amongst us, which starts up a whole bunch of alien uh, hysteria. The Avengers did not want to happen. In fact, he they told them not to say anything. But right, they told them to pinky swear and they broke it. Yes, and they broke it, which they come to regret in later issues. Um, but and then we get this person whose name is H. Warren Craddock. Who is ahead of the um, the Alien Activities Commission, as you see from the uh, the video, um, and he's basically a blowhard, um, influence seeking uh, political person who is uh, at the heart of this. And yes, if you are if you are astute and know your history, yes, this is the start of where we uh, get into some McCarthyism. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this. So and of course the uh, the Avengers are like well okay well we told them the secret I mean we told them to stay secret but they didn't and then all this happened and then people are freaked out and the reason why they didn't, they didn't want to tell all this was because it'll freak people out or, and that kind of stuff and then it also gets into the um, oh snap uh, it also gets into the conversation of well well if you start going for the aliens then you go start going for the mutants and the androids and and this and then the other and this is going to be a whole snowball effect and as um as vision points out to goliath well how long before the left-handed folks come for the right-handed po- folks under over um a, a piece of scorched earth so this leads the uh avengers uh to figure out what to do with Marvel, try to hide him out and they were like well we're gonna hide him out in the mansion because you should be safe here in comes one and oh and um goliath was like well we should turn over Marvel because you know we should have probably done it in the first place type situation um and that's when they had that conversation that i just mentioned prior previously but in comes carol danvers or so we think um to whisk away Marvel to a safe place that she knows about uh, they get away when a Quinjet because something happens to her mode of transportation. We see, um, you know, we find out that, you know, Marvel kind of has some, may have some feelings for, well, not necessarily have some feelings for her, but obviously he feels a certain way for Carol, you know, and some of that bears out in the, in the, um, in, in his book proper and some of that's just spilled over here and that there are footnotes into all of that. Um, but yeah, so we find out that that happens. Marvel gets whisked away. The Avengers talk about it after that. Shields kind of flopping overhead because they're surveilling the place. Next thing you know, um, the original well, the original Avengers, aka I will call them Avengers Prime because there was that um, there was that series that was Captain Marvel, excuse me, Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor come in and basically was like y'all did this thing without uh consulting us or doing you just you just did this thing and didn't even say anything to anybody so y'all are fired the avengers are disbanded get out um and that pretty much ends this uh this issue 
You know, there's a couple of uh, things I wanted to make note of. Sure. Uh, one of them is the testimony given by uh, Reed and Ben at the uh, the, oh, yeah. the the commission, the alien. What is it? The alien. Uh, it's like the uh, the alien committee. Alien activities. Yes, the alien yeah. activities commission. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ben is like. The Avengers? What Avengers? The Avengers I knew was Thor, Iron Man, guys like that. And, you know, this is um, uh, essentially um, uh, three quarters of Cap's kooky quartet, you know? Yeah, Ben uh, was basically like, I don't know these people. Right. <laughs> and the way, I'm on that page right now so the people can see that uh, on the video. Right, and it's pretty amusing. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, as... Um, as Roddy Cap mentioned, uh, Cap, Iron Man, and Thor show up and like, hey, you guys blew it. We're disbanding the Avengers. And that's how we end the issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, we also come to find out that um, once the, 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 well, when the, the, when our current crew of Avengers gets back to the mansion, it got ramshackled and there wasn't much that Jarvis could do because, you know, the rioters be rioting. Um, there's also a Avengers Disassemble sign that one of the writers has, which kind of amuses me because of the storyline that happens way later on in the, uh, um, I mean, it's not the first one. It won't be, the, it wasn't even the last one, even from then, but still, this, this is kind of amusing. So yeah, that's how we end this issue. Going into issue number 92, 93. Wait. Yeah, yes, 93. 93. We're up to 93. Yes. It was a weird little thing. There. And this was called? This is called This Beachhead Earth. And that is a definite clue as to what has happened at the end of the previous issue. It is, again, written by Roy Thomas, but with art by Neil Adams. And the change is uh, evident right from true. the get-go, the first page. So uh, basically Cap, Thor, and Iron Man are interrupted in a small meeting that they're having by the Vision. Hmm. And the Vision is like, hey, you guys just sort of uh, did something now and uh, you know, I'm, I'm all screwed up um, as a result of the events of the previous issue. And... Um, who else but Hank Pym decides to reappear? Literally right. decides to reappear. So basically, wait, wait so real quick. So, so yeah, so here's what happened. Um, like Agent 7 said, so the, well, I shouldn't say that, but yeah, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man are at the, uh, at the, the, the uh, mansion. Um, Vision busts in and then he flops over the, gr- the ground saying he needs help. We'll find out later right. on in the issue what happens. And then, like, like Agent 7 said, uh, uh, Ant-Man, a.k.a. Hank Pym, shows up because Iron Man called a meeting of the founding Avengers. Uh, what we come to find out in this in this issue, first of all, as as we said, there's a deviation that happens because because of the fact that Vision plopped down, this is what they try to get to the bottom of first. Therefore, Hank Pym goes on a fantastic voyage, as my notes right. say inside the vision to find out what's going on and that pretty much takes half the issue and Hank Pym's in vision talking to himself and you see him you know going through his body there's a DC Superman reference that was kind of amusing yes it's a direct reference it's, it's a not very even playing direct. around mm-hmm. yeah it's a very direct reference and again he even says like yeah he's a whole an old EC um, fan fanatic so I was like huh that's, that's two right. references so 
And then at the end of his journey through Vision, he finds something that ends up coming out of the late in a later issue about the, the Vision. Um, and if you did not know, the Vision is a uh, creation of Ultron, who is a creation of Hank Pym's. So he kind of knows his, knows a thing or two about a thing or two about uh, Vision's makeup a little bit, since he's the one who studied him. And that uh, that kind of comes up during the, during the course of the issue. Then we find out that. Um, we find out that it may not have been the three Avengers that we thought that fired the, uh, well, the that previous that crew of Avengers. Right. That disbanded the Avengers. And I kid you not, this particular sound effect was running through my head as I was reading so much of the story. There is a lot of that, a lot of that, that could be used for, with that sound effect in this event. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, we we find out what shut down Vision because he recounts the the tale of what happened after they left the mansion, which means he, Goliath, Quicksilver, and uh, Scarlet Witch went on a trip in a convertible. They come across a field with some cows that are, if you remember a classic story in Fantastic Four, um, uh, some cows that just so happen to be there come back into play who are scrolls in real life who were reactivated because of a happy beam uh, because these cows were hypnotized previously by the Fantastic Four, but they get reactivated uh, again. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sicker than your average, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, when, when I was reading this, I was like, wait a second. Cows? I remember uh, mm-hmm. reference to this story. Yep. Talk about like old school Marvel stuff that you just have to sort of go dig in. And uh, now that I have access to Marvel Unlimited, not that I didn't have access to these FF books before, mm-hmm. but now that you know it's it's more easily accessible, I may end up having to go back and check out these really early appearances of the scrolls right. the one to thing, see how we get to these cows. Right. The one thing you say about the continuity back then is like they. It was like, hey, this is something that the continuity was almost spotless back in the day in, in a lot of cases because, like, there was a footnote in almost every and almost every other issue uh, th- when there was a reference to something. Even we, even if it was like the last issue, they was like, hey, yeah, this happened last issue, just in case you didn't read it, you know. Or they go to like FF or something else. It was like, oh yeah, I remember Reed Richards or somebody did this and the thing, and then they just footnote it and whatever. Man, so classic right. issues were great yeah, about just that. As- yeah, I was about to say, just to add to that, as a footnote, we, you know, we all have to remember that this was the era of the Marvel bullpen. Yes. Where all of the creators were working within feet of each other. Mm. You know, forget social and physical distancing at that time. Everyone produced comics within, like, the, the, the space of, like, a couple of offices. And all of the freelance creators were basically uh, based in and around uh, New York City. So they all saw each other work together and uh, were able to coordinate. Not that they can't do it now, but I think it was just a natural byproduct mm-hmm. of their close quarter, the work, their working conditions uh, being in close quarters. Right. There was no internet, so they couldn't just ship stuff over the internet and, and send files and this and that and the other back then. So, yeah. But, yeah, so, so to close this out, um, the, the scrolls start attacking. Um, Marvel frees himself and Carol Danvers, who ends up being the Super Scroll. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's the truth yeah which you could kind of see because it was like again that's what I was kind of wondering that was real strange that she happened to show back up in it or even being here if you know what, what but nevertheless 
so yeah, super scroll attacks. Um, who and he also gets away while the other scrolls who were you know um, dressed as cows were fighting as fighting the other Avengers, and they right, as the FF. Right, exactly as members of the FF. But the Avengers took them down. Hawkeye, excuse me, uh, Goliath tries to shop, stop the Super Scrolls ship from uh, from leaving, but his pen powders crews give out, and he has to get saved by Thor, which, if you know anything about Hawkeye, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm washed up, I'm done. And at the end of this issue, we basically see the Avengers, as um, Rick, Rick Jones points out, at a low point, because uh, he's never seen them all, because everybody's down about, you know, everything. So, Vision, uh, excuse me, um, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch has been taken at this point. Marvel's been taken by the all of them been taken by the Super Scroll. Um, the, the Avengers pretty much won their battles, but they also lost because they're you know they're, they're you know for various reasons. Um, right. Yeah, Marvel. So I was about to say Marvel, uh, Scarlet Witch, and the Quicksilver are taken. What happens to Carol at this? Because she is captured. That's why they're able to. Uh, uh, replace her with a scroll, right? So, oh, which I don't think they ever—they don't ever address that. What do you mean? They don't ever. Oh, you happens to her, right? Because I, I assume, because I assume, like she was just. Elsewhere. No, no, she's still there. Actually, I think she's still captured. No, because that was Super Scroll. No, but she's captured. She's she's there. She's the one that is with Marvel. Oh right. Oh, did I think I just spoiled something for the next issue? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, right, yes. right, 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 yes. right, right, right. That's right, because, so, metaphor, that's right, I just spoiled something for the next issue, so that's my mm-hmm. fault. But, so, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and get into issue number 93, 94, sorry. 94, yeah, we're moving at a quick clip, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> through the storyline. So, um, as we mentioned earlier, this story, it doesn't meander. It, I can't say that's the wrong way to characterize it, but I, what, it, what it does do is take some detours. Yeah. And uh, at the beginning, the, the, well, this story, the cover really threw, threw me off because <laughs> the cover says, Behold the Mandroids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fine. So, and it's worth so noting that this is the issue sorry. where Mandroids are introduced, right? That's, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, no, I was about to say exactly just what you did. So, oh, okay. And then the opening splash page is ti- uh, reveals the title of the book as "More Than Inhuman." So uh, <laughs> this this story is written again by Roy Thomas and drawn by Neil Adams. Actually, inked. I mean, I forgot to mention Tom Palmer, a uh, 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 a solid solid uh, artist and inker in his own right, inked the last issue and this issue, and. Um, we have uh, the Avengers whole, uh, uh, capturing the three scrolls um, uh, uh, who were formerly cows, and uh, you know, and and, and uh, conferencing with the FF to find out, you know, to, to find out where to go from here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and keep hold of that title in your brain because it's not going to come in into fold until the. Very I was about to say it's coming in right now. Because right after the conference with the FF, well, yeah, 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 there's that part. But I'm, I was talking about the other part of that. But you're right. Um, so yeah, so like Agent Seven says, the 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 Avengers call the FF. They kind of powwow for a little bit, and they talk about this. And Ben talks about, well, if the Super Scroll, if y'all had seen the Super Scroll, he'd have cleaned y'all clocks. 
because Ben has no chill. Um, now, what we don't know, or what the Avengers don't know, is that the Avengers, excuse me, that Vision has stowed away on Super Scroll's sh- ship. And we'll, we'll find out in a little bit. So they don't know that he's mincing until the end of the conversation with the FF. Um, so, yeah, Super Scroll goes to the Great Refuge, which is basically uh, where, which is basically the human city on Earth. Because they Adelaide, moved a couple right. of. Yes. They they moved a couple of different places in their time. This is the main one from the early on in the um, in in their history. Right. Um, Super Scroll tries to blow it up. This uh, big black this big uh, bubble uh, saves them at the last second. Um, much to the dismay of the Super Scroll, uh, the division is called. Um, excuse me, division. You know, all this is all the while the Vision is trying to fight the Super Scroll and possibly tries to save uh, this Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, which he doesn't do. So he's like, "Well, I'm gonna retreat." Then he goes back to Avengers Mansion. Right. Um, meanwhile, all this come, comes goes on. We end up getting introduced to the Scroll Emperor Dorek the Seventh and his daughter Anel. Now, granted, we get to introduce to them him, but they are they are characters that have come up in the FF before. Right. Just as a quick note, uh, as we uh, have the Vision retreating because he can't face the Super Scroll alone, um, we move into what is part two of the book. Now drawn, this chapter, uh, the way they introduce it is this chapter entitled uh, 1971, A Space Spodacy. A Space Odyssey, Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I'm 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 literally reading A Space Spodacy because that's what it is. Space (laughs) Odyssey, right? I guess they just don't, they want to avoid copyright infringement, right? Well, no, I Uh, think they, I think this was their attempt to just like double up. They were like, you know, like a mirror image type of situation going on. And yeah, like I, they're probably uh, they they probably spoke to a lawyer before putting that one in, right? But um, I just wanted to mention that this chap, this uh, they call it uh, a chapter uh, penciled by John Buscema. So the art style changes once we get to space. Hmm. This also brings up something else, especially with the titling of some of the stuff. So uh, with the past issues, obviously, a space odyssey is is a play on two thousand one, a space odyssey or whatever was the analog at the time because obviously this came well before that well wait when was that when was that book regardless there no before it this is after so that's why i'm talking about uh copyright infringement right so So, and i and i bring that up because this is not the first time that there's been a quote-unquote movie reference from the time in uh that was used as a title in this event right in fact i think there's another one coming up now that i think about it after this so yeah so we get to um, the emperor and anel yep so we meet them he talks down to his daughter he's talking about what what they're um you know he's basically waiting on um actually well he's talking about their plans basically uh super scroll comes and brings uh the the brings his captives the but um they fire on the ship the scrolls fire on the ship Knowing it's him, but the Super Scroll gets subdued. The, the Emperor takes um, Marvel, Wanda, and Pietro uh, hostage uh, because he wants to get uh, the Omni, the thing called the Omni Wave Projector, from Marvel, who is a Kree and a sworn enemy, and he wants to use it to destroy the Kree. Um, we also see another set of um, creatures that 
um, Pietro and Wanda, aka Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, get um, get uh, introduced to. Not necessarily because they're in this cage where they're being held hostage while you know while Marvel watches them and they get bargained for. So basically, uh, the Emperor was basically using them to get Marvel to create to to do his uh, dirty work. Right. He they were the hostages. So yes. one of the things that one of the creatures that apparently were first glimpsed in passing in FF number 37 are walking tribbles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, basically, I'm glad you picked that up. <laughs> and they're called the druffs for, for anybody. Who right. And and the tribble analogy uh, comes out in a little bit because before, while, while, while uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch uh, are captive, you know, there's another beast that's after them and they, then Quicksilver ends up doing something and they end up multiplying and almost kills them both until... They get saved by the Emperor when um, Marvel says, all right, fine, I'll do what you want. Right. Um, and I think this is, yes. And then after this and, and Marvel, Marvel uh, kind of kind of does this thing, we cut back to Earth because. Right. So hold that thought. <laughs> hold that thought. So what's wild about the storytelling style in these books is that you would feel like this is the end of the issue. We're still on page 17 Mm -hmm. because that's how much story they jam packed into these books back in the day. So if there's one thing that could be jarring, as Roddy Cat mentioned earlier, there's a lot of text there's a lot of exposition on these uh pages as part of each story what also you know what what you know uh, one aspect of that is if you are or have become used to the current decompressed style mm-hmm. of storing this feels like i don't know maybe you're just getting more for your money because right. there's so much reading and story right so you and you're actually on page seventeen, right? So you actually are because, as as current readers may know, comic books are twenty two pages. Back then, they were like upwards of twenty six to thirty two pages at, right. in certain cases. Um, and this is one of those ones because I believe, according to this, this is twenty four pages, twenty three pages. Right. So it's a little longer than normal. Yeah, but but some of these stories were, uh, and and so <laughs> they have so they basically exercise the fact that hey there were like classically there are a lot of books were like sometimes more than 22 pages and that's and they just decided to go down to 22 pages in right. modern times but yeah right. I thought 32 pages with ads well that uh, is not too yeah but still you still got more there was still more story because you still got more pages of story in right. addition to you know whatever what ads were so yeah so we cut the earth and we go back to this H uh, H credit person H uh, was H Craddock Warner, and I believe it doesn't really matter. Um, they're testing out some his alien detecting machine, and the technicians that we we see that told uh, that started this whole ball of wax in the first place are starting to regret the fact that they told people what was going on because they see what was going. They they see this all happening. Uh, Nick Fury shows up. OG Nick Fury shows up. Um, and he's not necessarily he's doing his job, but he's not necessarily down with what's going on here because, as he has said, I believe he says in this issue, like yeah, he's seen concentration of camps back in the back in the bigger one, and things don't sit right. So what he did, what he's doing, you know, with what he ends up doing in a couple of spots of this event is not for you know, it's for America, as, as he says, mm-hmm. because he sees things could go very very bad, but he's still gonna do his job. 
So yeah, and you, as you can see, you can see part three. Behold my androids cover. I mean, uh, not cover, but um, the page right here. Right. So uh, bear <laughs> in mind that these mandroids are designed by Tony Stark, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a part in this. This is a point in Marvel and Avengers history where Tony has not revealed his secret identity to the Avengers. That's right. So he is still operating under the guise of being Tony Stark's, I believe, bodyguard Correct. at this point. And everything that he does seems to betray the fact that he has advanced the technical knowledge, but he sort of laughs it off or sloughs it off to, you know, beginner's luck or whatnot. And he actually breaks out the Iron Man roller skates in this, yes. which is hysterical. Mm-hmm. So, well, he basically considers that, oh, yeah, so Tony Stark made him, so he told me, He's kind of told me how they operate. That's basically what he cartridges everything on. And because even he was asked, was like, wait, wait, how did you know how to do that? It's like, hey, I know. Don't worry about it. But right. but he also says, you know, like, I said, hey, Tony Stark spit these things. So he told me it's kind of situation. Not And again, <laughs> like Agent said, they don't know this him yet. In fact, I don't think they find out for a while after this. Right. Um, but yes, yeah, so as you can see, this is a page with the Mandroids. Uh, if you know what the Mandroids are, you see them in Hulk Book uh, uh, um, a lot more after this. But this is when they get introduced. Uh, there's a fight between the Avengers and the, and the uh, Mandroids, um, and at and the right, and then in uh, it's not a splash. It's it's a splash panel. It's not necessarily a spa- splash page, but it's right. a splash panel at the end where a mystery character emerges from a sewer grate. <laughs> <laughs> Right, which turn, which, you know, blah blah. Okay, they already have this fight going on, and then skirt. Hey, this person just happens to come out of. We know who they are because you know hindsight. But um, yeah, so this mysterious person who we'll find out who it is next issue, which means we are going into issue number ninety five. Uh, and right. as you can see uh, from the, the cover, the, it is, the story... Oh, I'm sorry? No, I was about Go to ahead as about you the see cover. from the cover, it says uh, Avengers vs. Inhuman, and you see this this uh, person holding uh, Captain America and a bunch of people uh, basically holding down the Avengers, you know, seem, the scene to visit, who we find out who this person is in the course of this issue. Right, it's a funky costume design that I was never familiar with. I don't think I'd ever seen that before. I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. So this story is entitled Something Inhuman This Way Comes, written by Roy Thomas, with art by Neil Adams and inked by Tom Palmer. So um, we get a little bit of backstory on how this character that we uh, were introduced to, or at least saw at the end of last issue, comes out of the sewer grate. We speak of no one else other than I think they call him a budget submariner or a ripoff submariner somewhere what, in this book. Yeah, that's what Goliath says. Yeah, right. Like a second rate. Uh, he's a second rate submariner. Second rate submariner. Right. We're speaking in, uh, in fact, of Triton, and uh, Triton is making his way uh, to try to um, uh, get to the event. Uh, no, at first he tried to get to the FF mm-hmm. and failing that because the FF weren't in town. He got to the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Right. So he call, comes calling for help. He also gets uh, wounded in the course of this, but th- that, that gets kind of whatever. So he comes looking for some help because black boat is off in San Francisco and he had lost his memory because of, um, 
something Maximus did or whatever. Yeah, something because of something Maximus did. So he comes asking for help. Vision's like, uh, hey, we got this whole Kree scroll thing going on. Do you remember these? We got to go after Wanda. Oh, yeah, Wanda and the rest of them. Exactly. <laughs> Talk and, about a side mission, right? Right. Yeah. To talk about a side quest. You know, <laughs> we're bringing in like some storytelling and 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 uh, video game uh, uh, story crafting and storytelling uh, aspects in here. I'm glad you said that because in my notes I have basically say is that well. So after a little tete a tete tete a tete between uh, Vision and Iron Man, who who both it weirdly enough cool off thanks to uh goliath aka hawkeye's intervention and he has never been one to be the the cooler head he even says it himself he's like wait a minute i'm usually not the one that that you know is the voice of reason but hey we want to help out both of these people so that's what we should do and of course they do something that you should never do in D D: split the party <laughs> you never split the party folks but uh, so, so I Cap- know what's funny is that hold on to that thought. Okay, hold on to the thought. Mm-hmm. What's funny is that there's some thought bubbles, uh, or at least uh, uh, thoughts of the vision that are portrayed in this book about the way they split the parties. Mm-hmm. And Vision is thinking, well, I'm gonna send uh, 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 what's call it, Cap, Goliath, and Rick Jones, right. So I was so yeah that, that was the point I was getting to on his yeah. mission right okay go ahead yeah so he was yeah right so so well so because Cap was like okay well Vision since you're you know you've got a computer mind you can split you you don't know the best way to split the party Vision as as uh, Agent Seven says like okay basically he was like I must take the strongest with members with me <laughs> and then leave like Cap and the rest of them to go to San Francisco to find Black Bolt because and he, and as Agent Seven says his he's kind of thinking to himself like hmm. <laughs> like he may have may, may have messed up by doing that because he's only thinking of trying to get to Wanda, you know, and, and the rest of them and go into outer space. But um, so what happens is the the Mandroids who were pretty much knocked out because man, so but what, what Mandroids are are basically uh, they're basically mechs, uh, human sized mechs. They're basically Iron Man, but they work for but they work for Shield. Let's put it that way. It, but different armor. They are the the humans inside get knocked out, but they get con- uh, controlled by these two dudes. That's is in the helicopter, so they take up the fight uh, while the Avengers are kind of talking about the split. But the Avengers split up, and the heavy hitters stay and fight the Mandroids while the other team goes to uh, um, Cap Goliath and um, Triton and Rick Jones. And Rick Jones ends up going to San Francisco. San Francisco, right. So we cut to San Francisco where we find that Black Bolt has been hiding up because he's had uh, that, I guess, that case of amnesia, but apparently he is quickly uh, regaining his memories. Mm-hmm. And or has gained his memories at this Yeah, point. it wasn't clear about that. It was like either he had it before this point, I assume, because I don't remember where this must have came. If this came up in a in a issue like prior to this, it wasn't. This this did not come up, um, in previous issues basically, except for mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But anyway, um, so Black Bolt's kind of defending this kid who's up against. He and his kids is up against some gangsters. The kid gets caught, but just uh, just when things get kind of kind of bleak, Cap jumps in, saves the kid uh, with his shield. And the kids all amazed, and then they get down to talking to, uh, well, talking to his relative because Black Bolt can't talk. But you know, so they, um, 
they basically get Black Bolt back and he seems to have his memories back and Triton's talking for him and they're like, All right, fine, we're going to the we're going to um the Great Refuge, aka Adeline. Um so they are on their way there and then you get this one panel of them kind of um brooding to themselves about various things, uh, or at least according to the um according to the uh, exposition. And then we get into the backstory of Black Bolt and what happened to him right. and Maximus. This is amazing. Like I was reading this, I was in I was enwrapped by this. I was like, wow, I never realized that they had done this little three page that they told so much story mm-hmm. in three pages. A like three page kind of flashback sequence that explained uh Black Bolt's uh, you know, the, the majority of Black Bolt's history, how, um, you know, like what happened to his parents, mm-hmm. why Maximus actually goes mad mm-hmm. is explained in this. And it's just it's amazing to read. Right. And the part of that, which is which is the part that's um, pertinent here in all of that is that Maximus has allied himself, aligned himself with the Kree so that he could basically uh basically take over the earth so as as folks may or may not know in humans are basically Cree offspring aka experiments that were set on earth um that's it in a nutshell we might get into that a little bit more than that but for the crux of the story that is ends up being why maximus is involved because he's like well okay the Cree's gonna you know the Cree's gonna take over i he can get earth basically right um and take over the humans at the same time so Maximus, so they do all that. The other Avengers who's fighting the Mandroids mop that up, and they end up going to um, the Great Refuge, and they all meet back up. Um, Black Bolt takes down the big bubble that was there from a couple of issues ago, and they end up fighting the Inhumans, which Black Bolt, again, uses his power, which surprisingly doesn't wreck everything, but he starts, but he whispers and starts talking to his uh, his subjects. And then yeah, that is the harshest spoken whisper you could probably imagine. Right. He literally whips out like an entire sentence. Right. You know? And again, if you know Black Bolt's power, like he whispers his throat, he can just wreck whole cities. So he right. there there had to have been there is some quote unquote control <laughs> that he he evokes for that. And he basically shocks the inhuman populace out of the thrall of uh, Maximus's control. Mm-hmm. And you can see that page where he does that right then. Like, and yeah, they all turn on. Um, they all turn on Maximus. Avengers Assemble happens. Uh, Maximus is defeated, but not without Rick Jones getting swept away by a Kree uh, soldier. Right, and you're left to think, what just happened? Mm-hmm. So, um, before we wrap. Right. Because essentially, you know, this this issue ends with uh, uh, Cap and the Avengers saying we're coming for you. Kree and Skrulls alike, right. you know, coming after all he is. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we you know we leave with uh, uh, Maximus being helpless and Black Bolt, you know, kind of confused as to, um, you know, where where they go from there and being regretful uh, of being the cause of Maximus's madness. Mm-hmm. Um I have to say, though, that before we move on, I think this was a lost opportunity um, to give the Inhumans real shine. If they had chosen to 
stress putting one of the the big name in humans onto the Avengers if they had ever decided to pull Black Bolt out away from you know the throne and giving him a spot on an Avengers team like a like a starring spot and giving him some shine mm-hmm. because imagine having that kind of powerhouse on an Avengers team mm-hmm. that already has someone like Thor on it right well hey they end up getting crystal later on right but my, you know, but the point is, that you know, at joke. least at this point in history, right. in the early seventies, right? You know, and I'm not saying Crystal was no slouch. I'm just saying that was a joke, though. But um, right. so, but yeah, I. No, yeah, I'm I just guess. thinking time wise. I'm right. just because Crystal comes on in in the in the '90s, I right. think, or the late '80s. So we're talking early '70s. They have an opportunity to really give the Inhumans some shine by by uh, taking uh, some of these Inhuman characters and putting them on the Avengers roster. Mm-hmm. True, true. Oh, and a couple other things of note. One of last issue. Um, so they ended up. So the Super Scroll ends up going to the ref, uh, the Great Refuge, because. For something in um, Scarlet Witch's and um, Quicksilver's brainwaves led him there. Think about that for a second. Um, something similar. Right, something similar. You're looking for similar brainwaves. So the next most similar brainwaves are the Inhumans. Right. So think about that for a second, especially if you know what has happened well since then. Anyway, um, right. that has, which doesn't come back into play at all during the course of this event. And also, that little kid that was with Black Ball just happens to be along for the ride and nothing comes of that either. But they leave, um, they basically leave, the Avengers are like, like I said, hey, we coming for you, um, Kree Scroll folks are like, we don't care, we coming for y'all and they leave the humans, which leads us into the next issue, uh, issue 96. And here is the uh, This is cover. a classic cover. Yes. This is a classic, classic Neil Adams cover. It's really, I believe, pretty uh, recognizable. Uh, if you saw this uh, either slabbed or just bagged and boarded, you know, placed in a bag and board and, you know, um, uh, uh, just put on display at a comic book store, you would definitely recognize this cover right away. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching the video, you do get to see that. So, bloom. So, yeah. Um, when, right. which, and which... Okay. And it kind of gets plays out. This scene actually does kind of get played out during the course of this issue. So, yeah, so it's not completely out of context. Mm-hmm. Um, this issue is entitled "The Andromeda Swarm." It is written by Roy Thomas and drawn by Neil Adams with uh, Tom Palmer and Neil Adams and somebody named Weiss on inks. So, uh, we are going into space. Yeah, powered by Mjolnir. Well, yes, but before that, so the Avengers hop a, what looks to be a Quinjet. I don't even know if that's actually the case, but but they basically end up going well, to the space. Familiar, it's a more familiar looking Quinjet. Correct, but they end up going to the space station where Nick Fury is, and they kind of have a powwow about it. And but he's like, "Look, I can't, I can only do but so much, so I'm gonna help you, but I, I'm, but I'm gonna look away so you can go do your thing because I don't like the way things going." So yeah, that Peach Warren Craddock is not isn't going to be happy. He's still a factor in the story. Exactly. So the so the Avengers take off because they're all together now. They, they finally decided that wait splitting the party was not good. Um, they get into a spaceship as Agent Seventy said. Let's get powered by um, Mjolnir, which is not the first time they did. Well, I guess this might be the first time they did that. Now that I think about it, but not the last time. 
In fact, if you've watched probably um, Avengers, probably Avengers EMH or one of those two, this is probably where that comes from. So they set mm-hmm. off into space. And by the way, the Germanus form, I believe, is a... The, the, the title is they take on a book or... Yeah. Uh, is a Crichton book, isn't it? I think so. I'm not sure. I but I have to look that up. Yeah. Regardless, but it is definitely a, a take on that. So the Avengers are off in space. Um, oh, God. Excuse me. So and then they get out there to get intercepted by a scroll um, um, armada. Italian. Yeah, it's Ooh. the Imperial Armada of the sinister star devouring scroll. Exactly, and they're heading to Earth, which apparently is something else that didn't get um, that I don't remember getting brought up that the Kree put a shield around the Earth uh, that they can't penetrate with the exception of the super scroll, and we kind of find this out in, during this. But the Avengers meets up with this battalion. Uh, and then they do battle, and apparently they're doing something to obscure their number because the the scrolls are thinking, "Hey, there's a bunch of ships coming, but it's only the one." So the Avengers. Oh, you mean they pulled up a card with the magic doohickey? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, Shout out to the last episode of Picard that we spoke about last on last week's episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Right, and again, they they that is something similar they did do in a in an episode of TNG. So that's kind of an old thing, but yeah, exactly. They basically do that. And they were like, well, this one ship is coming to scout it out because they weren't really sure. And that's when the Avengers were like, all right, cool. We're going to go fight this off so they all, so, so we can continue to f- uh, fool them. Um, and during the course of this fight, uh, while that's going on, Rick Jones gets monologued to not once but twice. <laughs> once by running the, the accuser about what he plans to do. And then the other time by the Supreme in- Intelligence who basically sends him away to the negative zone after he tells him after he kind of tells him some things and you're sitting here like why would this why do you why, why do you even care what Rick Jones is doing in this like why do you even get captured in the first place well guess what folks it's all leading up to this <laughs> up in the next issue but um, I don't know if you had anything else going on with with this issue as far as we're talking about this issue Yes. No. No. Say again. Oh, I was about that. I didn't know if you had anything else. I don't know if you had anything else to add about this issue. Oh no! Space, space, uh, space combat by the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Um, obviously, they're not speaking much because they're in space. Right. Which is one of the uh, few times they actually do that. <laughs> you know, they actually are consciously not making, you know, putting any sound effects in because they're in space. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Uh, whatchamacallit, uh, we get to that, uh, you know, we get to a scene where um, it's implied that uh, Marvel is betraying them, but it turns out he's not. Yep. Not only is he not, but he had a little uh, subterfuge of his own, because while it looks like he was working on the Omniwave projector, it's uh, he actually used uh, another more common feature of the Omniwave projector, and that's to basically make a hologram of himself working on it and he took the scrolls by surprise let let out um wanda and pietro and then basically went back to making the omniwave projector while they fight it out while they fight uh, until the um avengers show up right so the uh the scrolls uh call for executing plan delta and that is when the vision decides to uh lose his mind <laughs> yes as you can see in the uh, in this pa- uh, page Right, and he's literally beating a scroll to death. Yeah, 
And he's basically like, where is Wanda? Where is the, where's the, where are the others? Swear to me. <laughs> and, <they're> like, <laughs> and there was like, and everybody's like, stop, stop. So they had to actually pull him off, dude. Um, and dude was like, yeah, I'll tell you, but it ain't gonna help you because right, things, right, right. things are going on. And then, you know, Goliath is having a pity party because he doesn't have Pippin Paul's anymore. But he ends up uh, being a, a line of defense because there's a ship that was uh, trying to that was getting away, and Glass captures up to it, and it's, uh, and it's uh, full of scrolls, which means that he has to fight uh, a ship full of scrolls without his growth serum, and that just Britain Printers gets left uh, left at that <laughs> for right then and there. Pretty pretty much. <laughs> so we find out what happened to Rick Jones at mm-hmm. this point, and Rick. Uh, is taken aboard um, uh, Ronan the Accuser ship and uh, Rick tries to go at Ronan and he gets literally smacked away. Uh, but Rick ends up getting captured, uh, you know, a bit, you know, getting captured and thrown in together with Ronan's other quote unquote captive, the Intelligence Supreme, a.k.a. the Supreme Intelligence. Right. And uh, Ronan, uh, uh, the, the, the intelligence says, Ronan weakened me, but he thinks me helpless. But uh, apparently the plot has been thickened by the supreme intelligence. And he has been behind a lot of the things. It turns out that have been happening over the course of these several issues. Mm-hmm. Including uh, specifically um, getting Rick Jones involved. Uh, how Rick Jones gets involved with this, and I- including uh, a vision that he sent to Rick Jones, including the Cree, uh, the Cree person, the Cree soldiers that kidnaps him in the first place to bring him on the ship or to bring him to Kahala, which is what exactly he even he even uh, kept Marvel from sensing that that was actually not Carol Danvers, but was instead the Super Scroll because it was part of getting uh, the, his plan in motion. Mm-hmm. And that, I believe, is where we end. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. And one last thing is uh, that he does after he does all this is he basically sends, as I said previously, he sends uh, Rick Jones to the negative zone. There you go. And that ends this issue of um, of the Avengers. And also, not just back there in the background, but, you know, we'll find out what happens with that next issue in... Well, some would say that technically the last uh, the last um, issue of this event, but you know, th- there's yeah, right. It's basically the penultimate, but you know, this is where the crux of the story really wraps, and this is really one of the crazier issues of this entire series. Basically, you know, we're, right? We are speaking of issue number ninety-seven. Uh, the title is Godhood's End, and the cover really, really if you're not familiar with what's going on, really is confusing mm-hmm. because it is not what you expect from a spacefaring story that has been carrying on for the better part of, at this point, seven or eight issues. So uh, you don't expect to see the World War II era invaders on the cover of this comic book, the fearful finale of the uh, Skrull versus Kree. They call it the Skrull versus Kree war on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you could—I guess you could call the next issue the epilogue. 
Yeah. Uh, so this is the this is the fi- the finale of the Kree Scroll War, and as I mentioned, it is entitled Godhood's End. It is written by Roy Thomas with art by John Buscema. Yep. And we open with uh, Rick Jones versus none other than who's back? Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. It's Annihilus. Which I told you we were going to see him again. That's right. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Annihilus confronts uh, Rick. Uh, Rick recounts, while this is going on, Rick just basically recounts everything that has happened up until now of his, of his involvement with this thing. Right, because every comic could be somebody's first, so they do give a pretty nice-looking two-page spread that breaks down everything that has happened to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Annalis comes after Rick. Rick, Rick Jones blame, brain blasts him. He doesn't even know how or why he's doing that, but we end up find out uh, later as to why. He also calls him Batman, but that's probably just more like because he does look like a bat and not necessarily has anything to do with DC. <laughs> I did catch that. That's funny. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, um, Pietro and Wanda are still fighting against the scrolls while Marvel finishes the Omniwave projector, which uh, once he's finished, he destroys again because he made Fuck one. Man. He made one early, which I think we we may not have mentioned, but he made one a few issues back and destroyed it right in front of um, Carol, aka Carol it- Darren, aka the Super Scroll. Right, I was gonna say fake Carol Danvers, but yeah, yeah. Um, because he he pretty much caught wind of the fact that that wasn't Carol, and you know that happened. So yeah, um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 he breaks it again. You see some dialogue between Doric and his and his uh, and his daughter. Um, <clears throat> you see Rick Jones again, who gets pulled out of the negative zone and back to where the uh, supreme intelligence is. Uh, he doesn't know why, and then the, the Supreme Intelligence is like, uh, "Hey, look, <laughs> this is this is why this is why you, this is why you're important, right?" And um, and because he's because Rick Jones is like, "I'm just an orphan. I don't know what, but but Supreme Intelligence is like, no, you represent the potential that humans have, and therefore you know are important for that reason, and you could be the one to save everything." Blah blah blah. Yakety schmackety. As you can see. <laughs> I mean, it, it pretty much doesn't go that much farther than that, but you know, and, right. and, and as we will see in the coming pages or the page after this, um, but going back to the Avengers, I mean, uh, the Invaders thing, you see Ronan the, accurs- uh, the accuser was like, hey, wait, something's going on here. And then Rick Jones ends up um, making, uh, making basically, I guess, holograms, phantasms, or likenesses of the Invaders. Right. Yeah, he's basically psychically projecting, yes. you know, what he thinks are, you know, are the invaders from his memories from old comic book magazines that he that he references, and it, it's these psychic projections that are taking apart some Kree uh, commando squads uh, being led by Ronan, but then. They disappear because that little burst of power took a lot out of Rick, uh, you know, it being the first time him really manifesting that much power at once. But uh, as he regathers himself for uh, another effort, what he does is, uh, um, what does he do, contact 
he basically um, kind of activates oh, his, his link. Right. Yeah, he basically activates his link with uh, Marvel. Right. And through that link, happens to freeze all of the attacking scrolls that are all, that Marvel and and Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are, are around. So using late his latent whatever ability that Rick Jones has and their link. Um, and Marvel's just just standing there because you know he's just as he's just a conduit at that point. Right, 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 right. So meanwhile, we skip to the other Avengers who are still fighting, and then they, and then the Skull Scrolls they fighting, get end up getting um get turned, you know, just get end up freezing, and the whole thing just kind of blossoms out, going from Rick, and then the Avengers are like, hey, what's going on here? We need to get to wherever, wherever uh the things are going on because all the scrolls are frozen, and we need to find out what's going on. Um. And even goes so back to Earth to where we find out that there is a scroll amongst us. Uh, this is where you might want to um, pull up that. That's oh, yeah. Doing. I was about to say, guess who's a scroll? Yep. One H. Warren Craddock, who in the midst of his rhetoric um, gets seized um, gets seized over by some pain and turns back into a scroll form, form and gets handily whipped. He gets beat to death. Literally. He gets beat to death. <laughs> he gets, gets whipped. He's beaten to yes. death. Yes. And matter of fact, it's so much so that so not only not only does he turn back into a scroll, he cannot access his scroll powers because they're shape shifters. He can't do that, and he because he tries to fight off the crowd, the crowd gets the better of him, and they whip his ass to death. Yep. So. This is the first time that we see Scrolls Amongst Us, and I believe if um, I think that might come back into play at some point because, well, one, it did because of uh, Secret Invasion. That's beside the point. <laughs> this is, might end up coming up back up again in Empire, um, also because of, as we now know from current things, there, there's always been Scrolls on Earth somewhere, right? Uh, from since then, and this is pretty much where that started. Um, so yeah, so Rick Jones is like, oh yeah, I see the vision of this dude and he's a scroll and I killed him and then he kills over and after, as a uh, Supreme Intelligence kind of telling him what's what. Right. And the Supreme Intelligence here breaks it down for Rick in no uncertain terms that, um, the reason why the Kree and the scroll don't like the humans is because they have basically frozen uh, on their evolutionary uh, uh, at the at the particular evolutionary level that they're at, and uh, they know that uh, humanity is basically their superiors because they are still developing. Right, and yeah, there, and there is that latent uh, potential that I was talking about earlier that all uh, humans tend to have, and obviously we know Earth to be a place where. As have come up many times in the past since then, it was like, yeah, y'all got a bunch of superpower people and and you know evolutionary changes that make y'all dangerous, right? <laughs> and this is kind of soft from there. And I believe this is where the scroll ends up losing their shape shifting powers, if I'm not mistaken, from that from that brain blast. Maybe because that's that's what's referenced uh, 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 when that that scroll gets beaten to death, right? I, I I think it might be retcon, or at least maybe not retcon, but at least explained away somewhere else. Yes, but I think you're right. 
Right, because because after this, the scrolls end up using their shapeshifting power, with the exception of a couple, obviously, because I think Super Scroll and a couple other people magically still ends up having their powers at some point in time in the future after this. But nevertheless, by and large, this is pretty much where they lose that. Uh, the Supreme Intelligence brings the Avengers to where Rick Jones is, and they take ten to that, uh, and who also talks to Marvel. Um, and he's like, "Look, you." Um, like, look, you, you got to do some things and they, whatever. And they talk about that. He's like, you're right. I got to do a thing. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, uh, uh I kind of, so, Rick, so Rick is, is, is exposed to the Omniwave projector. Right. Right. And I think that's where all this comes from or, or, I mean, cause that, cause it, it looks like he's, uh, that, uh, it looks like, uh, uh, Marvel is blaming himself for all this. So, um, hold on. This well, they is so this, they basically put they, they kind of put the genie back in the bottle for the time being because right. because of Rick Jones and Captain Marvel's symbiotic uh, symbiotic relationship that kind of gotten stripped in the beginning of right, this the beginning of the story right. But they ended up putting it back at the end of this because uh, apparently Rick Jones was dying and it was it was you know kept Marvel's fault that a lot of this happened. So he enters into Rick Jones. Rick Jones kind of comes back and now they're back to sharing a well not necessarily sharing a body but technically they are right. And then the uh, Supermore just talks for another second and they send the Avengers back home. Pretty much, and we find out that H. Warren Craddock had been captured, had been kidnapped, mm-hmm. and uh, and and locked away. Uh, Nick Fury finds him, and uh, um, we find out that you know the the the, the original Fantastic Four story had four scrolls, mm-hmm. and so they were fighting three scrolls. Uh, during the course of this story, and that fourth scroll is the one that kidnapped H. Warren Craddock and took his place. Right. So basically, so not only did it um, end the storyline of this, they're tied up something from from the F, from an old FF story. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, after all that said and done, we get to the end of the book, and it was like, oh yeah, everything gets explained, and H. H. Uh, Warren Craddock's free, and this and other. And then they were like, oh wait. <laughs> Um, everybody didn't come back. Right. So, and then they start thinking about the fact that, oh, oh, wait, Goliath is not back. So, um, what happened? What, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Basically. And that's where the book, and that's where the book ends. Right, right. So, so we have essentially come to the end of the Kree Scroll War. Uh, we're going to deal with the following issue, which is essentially an epilogue. But, um, you know, it you can tell that this is the precursor to uh, major event books because it is a multi-part story that spans several uh, characters and several storylines, and you can just sort of see everything coming, you know, coming to a head from. Or at least developing from this sort of like embryonic state of mm-hmm. of, of uh, event storytelling, right? Oh, you the, know, this is like a very early, early version of it. So. Yeah, very much, very much indeed. But you know, from this, a lot of things get well eventually streamlined, and then you end up getting um, Marvel's Marvel Comics Secret Wars, which right. is basically self-contained because they still had. Uh, 
things going on in other books. But regardless, um, actually, I did, I'm looking at this last page and it just reminds me of something that that was uh, a term that was kind of mentioned uh, on a few different times during the course of this thing, and that's was uh, called a really, which means the, the real person and not a scroll. Because I know mm-hmm. they did that a, a couple of different times during the course of uh, during the course of this event. I'm like, oh really, really? But um, but yeah, that's that. So now I guess we were going on to the the quote unquote epilogue of this here, right? This here thing, but it also goes into a new story, but we probably won't go into that part. Right. I mean, it just, you know, we'll just touch upon it very quickly. Um, this is uh, the epilogue of. Um, the Kree Scroll War is called is entitled "Let Slip the Dogs of War." Uh, it's written by Roy Thomas, and I believe this is one of the earliest issues full paid full interior art from Barry Windsor Smith. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's actually there. partially it's partially Barry Windsor Smith, and it's uh, because it's done by Barry Smith and Sal Buscema. Right. As you can see, the first page of that right there, and they're going into the Vision, who holds um, holds court on the Avengers. Um, well, basically, there's like, hey, this is, um, you know, we don't know what happened to, to Goliath, so we need to talk about that. Like, we mm-hmm. know he ran out of uh, growth, growth, uh, growth, horm- uh, growth hormones, but uh, pin particles. And we don't know where he's at. We don't know if he's dead or whatever the case may be. So they're like, hey, we need to find him. I don't know how we're going to do that because the place is big and we don't know what happened. Pretty much. It's kind of weird also because uh, Vision is in a spot that he, well, at this point in time that I remember, wasn't until later on. Because normally the uh, when the Avengers have a meeting, it's the Avengers chairman, chairperson, that would be holding the meeting. It's actually a vision that is the one doing it, and he's basically calls it a turn. I don't know if uh, I listen. When I was a kid, uh, I remember the vision being Avengers chairperson. Well, he was. That's what I'm saying. But not. At this so, point. I don't know if this. Yeah, I don't know if this is maybe an earlier. You know, we'd have to we'd have to double check. Uh, um, Maybe the, the the official handbook to see who was who was a chairperson during this period in time. Right, he might have been, but that's also at the same time though the the adventures were kind of sort of around this time still loose about it. Like Cap was basically when he was on the team, he was field field captain, right, for obvious reasons. But you know they kind of played they kind of played a little fast and loose with who was actually the the chairperson at the time. Right. He might have actually been during this time, but I don't remember. And yeah, there is probably there, there is probably that flow chart of who actually was at twelve. I mean, it it's doesn't matter that much, but it's just so. Right. It's just interesting to see. Yeah, I right. noticed it too, because you see him holding the gavel to adjourn the meeting. So you know that's traditionally, at least in the Avengers uh, uh, context, that's the, uh, traditionally the job of the chairperson. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, they they, uh, they 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 break from the meeting with the idea of uh, utilizing their own ways of finding Hawkeye. Um, in the meantime, there is a disturbance in the force, and um, a team of Avengers is dispatched to investigate it. Um, we find out that it is some Greek war uh, uh, god of war stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that is essentially the crux of this epilogue story. Um, 
you know, basically uh, uh, the, 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 the weaker members, save for the Scarlet Witch, are all under thrall of um, uh, some, some flute-playing uh, characters who are working for Ares, the god of war, and uh, Thor and the Vision uh, try to uh, come to their aid. But when all seems lost... What comes flying out of the blue? Hold on, hold on. It's the scene. It's the sound effect of the night. An arrow. Yep. There you go. Matter of fact, I'm pulling up the page right now. There we go. So. Yeah, so um, this is, um, we find out that uh, he he's not dead. He's got right. a change of clothes. He looks... Um, <laughs> this is the worst Hawkeye costume ever. Well, luckily he doesn't keep it, but yeah. Right. What I was going to say is, I remember seeing this in the Ohatmu, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I, I remember being very confused as to why on earth anyone thought this was a good idea as... Uh, comic book superhero costume uh it's not even a good robin hood costume it's not even a good D costume um it's it's really wild and uh you know he's he just sort of glosses over the fact that he's back on earth right he was like and yeah it even says right here in the panel I was like yeah I'll, I'll tell you about that later which i don't remember if they ever do I'm, they may do but i don't know that, that's probably issues I, away from yeah, the i was about to say exactly it's a few issues away maybe we'll see yeah but uh but yeah, so we get we get to the end of this issue, and there is um, a splash page cliffhanger that is related to uh, Ares, the god of war, that is the main uh, antagonist of this issue. And it doesn't matter if I spoil it. This issue's from 1972. Yeah, basically. it's Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Oh, I'm already showing that page, so you're... okay. <laughs> There we go. So it's Hercules. Yeah. So that's where this issue ends, and they are rolling into the upcoming, the uh, the following story in the next issue. So yeah. So that is back to normal, uh, back to business as usual after this. Right. Right. So that wraps up our review of, or at least our, our recap of uh, the Avengers Kree Scroll War, which is the precursor to several. Um, uh, uh, later Avengers cosmic stories that are going to be the background and backdrop of what is going to be coming out in the impending future. And that is, as we mentioned earlier, the empire storyline in which, um, Teddy, uh, the, uh, yep, the yep. half pre half scroll appears a mild spoiler alert i'll ring the bell but you should know this by now if you've been uh if you've gotten up to date it appears that he is um basically utilizing his birthright as uh head of both the kree and scroll empires right he's half kree half scroll so um, and I believe he is the love child of speaking of Marvel and was it the daughter or no it was a handmaid or somebody I don't know I can't remember it was somebody it was, 
Yeah, I can't remember, but it's basically I think it's Marvel and someone high up in the Kree. I mean, someone high up in the scroll hierarchy or somewhere or somewhere thereabout. It might actually be um, the daughter that we see, and I don't remember actually. You know what? Let me look that up real quick. Like, how about that? All right. Well, while you're doing while, while I'm doing that, you go ahead and yeah. What what I was just going to add is that um, recommended reading. Uh, in the lead up to Empire, the first thing is the Kree Scroll War, which is what we just covered. The next thing is the Celestial Madonna saga, which I was afraid to touch, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, because I think it's I think it's even wackier. And then after that, I believe is um, was it the Celestial Madonna saga? I think it is, or something like that, or. Um, no, it's a no. It's the uh, celestial, not celestial quest, is it? That might be right. Avengers Celestial Quest. That might be right, um, but I don't actually don't remember. I mean, I can check. I was about to say I don't know if I still have access to Road to Empire in my review copies uh, readily uh, available. Uh, let's see. Okay, and, and yes, I was right. So basically, um, Doric. The seventh daughter, Anel, who who we've seen prominently in this, um, in this, but we didn't talk that much about because she's basically against kind of a lot of stuff that her her dad did, and she, and he's like, man, why couldn't I have had a son? A warrior son, yes. Yeah. But apparently, um, Marvel and her had a thing, and they're foreborn uh, Hulkling. Oh, okay, all right. So he is a direct descendant of Marvel. Mm-hmm. He is Dork the Eighth. In fact, yeah, because basically, because I remember reading about this um, probably before this, actually. So they had a thing. She had the kid, but um, she basically, it's basically Star Wars at that point where it's like, okay, we can't tell. Well, actually, not just not fully, but she he basically gets whisked away to Earth to get uh, to get raised while you know because you know if if folks knew whatever the case may be. Uh, it would be bad, and I think she ends up dying at some point. And whoever took whoever one of her handmaidens or whoever took care of him, you know, uh, and 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 brought him up, didn't necessarily right. tell him until whatever recent event that that way he found out. Because I remember reading about when he found out, but I can't remember where where that got was. It. Got it. Got it. Okay, so uh, I we do. Well, I you know I still because we haven't gotten new comics in a while. Um, I looked up my old files for Road to Empire number one, and at the back of that issue, hmm. um, uh, they give you the trade collections or the the, the issues they should be looking at uh, for the full story on the events leading to Empire. So as I as we mentioned, we covered the Kree Scroll, the Avengers, the Kree Scroll War story. The next up is Avengers: The Complete Celestial Madonna Saga. So you can look that up to see what issues are involved in that. There is a Fantastic Four Visionaries trade paperback uh, by John Byrne that covers uh, some some important Kree Scrawl war, uh, you know, kind of like a, a like the eternal battle stuff going on between the Kree and the Scrawl. And um, they also mentioned mention uh, the Alan Heinberg Jim Chung Young Avengers, which goes into Teddy and his uh, background. So maybe we need to reread that. Um, going into this too, because I had forgotten that uh, Teddy was the progeny of Marvel and Anel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't either until I was like, okay, we knew he was both, but I wasn't sure who exactly was the thing until until I read. I think it was probably Road to Empire or something that kind of may have mentioned it. Okay, 
um, during the course of the story. Um, but yeah, then we find out we find out that. So cool. Well, all yeah, right. Folks. So uh, you know, uh, we hope that you enjoyed our review, our recap of uh, uh, of Avengers: Kree Scroll War. You have any final thoughts on this? Uh, no, I mean pretty much everything I've said outside of the fact that hey, this was you know this was before they basically streamlined a lot of their events. So as we've already said numerous of times, it's a little kind of some would argue disjointed but it, you know but it's just the way things was done back then you know a little loose with the thing like stuff that doesn't really seem like it, it had anything to do with it, and it ends up doing later on which is kind of a good thing but then at the time you're reading it especially you know if you read it then it's like hmm, what wait this is a skirt 180 you know a skirt 90 degree departure of you know what was going on but they still kind of bring some stuff into it. Outside of that, you know, and, and some of the language being used aside for, you know, that was, again, 1971, is, you know, might be read a little differently within different eyes nowadays. Sure, still, you know, ladies getting smacked around. That was, this, uh, yeah. you know, that, 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 was, that was not a thing, but it definitely wasn't frowned upon the way it is now. So exactly. uh, I would also mention that... Um, uh, oh, I, I I lost my train of thought for a second. Just to allow me a moment. Um, shoot, I had a I had something to say about uh, 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 the Avengers: Kree Scroll War. Um, oh, just to just to restate what I had mentioned earlier about how it was a lost opportunity to give the Inhumans more shine by sticking them into this one little kind of a side story. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. I don't know where the Inhumans stood in terms of Marvel history at the time. I think they were obviously far more involved in the Fantastic Four books mm-hmm. and um, maybe in the Thor books because the Thor books really leaned heavily upon alien stuff at the time. So um, that's probably where they were. But it's time for me to start diving into Marvel Unlimited to see uh, if I can read on some of those earlier appearances and see what's what was going on with them. Because, and 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 not, and 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 as a final thought on the Inhumans and and you know I understand why they got a push. You know, with you know in the last several years, mm-hmm. we all do is because Marvel didn't have rights to the X Men until Disney bought out Fox. Right. So. Uh, you know, cinematically at least. So uh, the what they wanted to do was um, try to advance some of their other properties that they had the movie, the cinematic rights to. And so they tried to push the Inhumans, and the push did not exactly go over well. Right. And which to me, it's a shame. But ultimately, it's it comes down to the fact that the the, the really compelling Inhumans characters are few and far in between for a lot of people. You know, I only, I, I really only care about following the exploits of Black Bolt. Well, so, yeah. okay, I'm sorry. I mean, that's just on, from my perspective, at least. Yeah. Well, I was going to, to add, kind of add on to that. Yeah, it's like once you get past a couple of members of the royal family, like it's pretty much Black Bolt, maybe Medusa, maybe Crystal. Crystal. After right. that, it kind of just like, uh-huh. so yeah, exactly. you're right about that. Exactly. But it would have been nice to see Black Bolt really take center stage here, you know, as either an, a member of the Avengers or kind of like uh, a version of a Black Panther um, membership. 
where he's supposed to really have, uh, 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 you know, actual duties as a monarch, but he he finds himself splitting time with, you know, like a superhero group. So actually, speaking of that, now, now that you mentioned that, so I talked about this earlier with you, but I, I will mention this now, uh, and I, or I kind of re-mentioned. So the issue before eighty nine, aka uh, eighty eight. Before this, Black Panther was involved with the Avengers at this time, but he was basically like, well, I got to get back to Wakanda and uh, I will try to get back. So he was, he actually was a part of the team along with Vision, Scarlet Witch, uh, Quicksilver, uh, uh, Hawkeye around that time. He was in the corner box. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was in the corner box pretty much the whole time until they changed the corner box. But he wasn't around because even in like 80, I think it was either 87 or 80, uh, 88, it was like, yeah, I got to go. I'll probably be back whenever I'll be back. Well, I was about to say in 87, the uh, the title of the book is a look. The title of the story is Look Homeward, Avenger. And the cover uh, says revealed at last the yes. origin of T'Challa. Yes. So and that story is very. Exactly. Yeah. That story is like, hey, they just give him the whole backstory. Like, they're just chilling in the Avengers Mansion and was like, hey, we're just going to tell the story, the, the um, T'Challa's backstory. And I think even at that, in, in 88, he was like, yeah, y'all know that, you know, the, the former Black Panther is dead. So now that's why I got to go back and, you know, uh, uh, be there for a while. Mm-hmm. So, and also, I think if I can't remember if I even said this night, we also get um, a couple of members of the what we know to be the Illuminati uh, in '88 in the form of Reed Richards and Charles Xavier, who were basically subduing the Hulk until some uh, other other forces try to um, intervene and the the Avengers get called in, right, or, or stumble upon it because they're trying to work on another case that just so happened to roll into this. Weirdly enough, this is that's one of those things. Was like, wait, wait, does, what does it have to do with any of that? And it turns out, kind of doesn't because that part with the Hulk goes off into Hulk's book, while the Avengers just like, okay, yeah, that happened. They just happen to be involved. In. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, All right. That was so, like I said, is. I hope uh, everyone enjoyed our little trip <clears throat> down, not even memory lane, because this is new to me. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it is not necessarily new to me, but all like I told uh, Agent Seventy prior, uh, like I hadn't read this in a good clean decade, so, <laughs> at least. But yeah, it is interesting to to revisit uh, this this stuff, and I like reading old Avengers, some old Avengers books anyway. So yeah, um, I would say again that hey, comic. Um, Marvel Unlimited is free for the next month or so. You can jump on and read it yourself and I will put up a um, thing of, there are the issues right there that you can see, 89 through 87 uh, aka 98, excuse me, 89 through 97, but you may want to read 98 just to get that last bit with um, with Hawkeye coming back. Right. So, and as a rule of thumb, like I said earlier, a lot of these old um, old uh, events or whatnot, they sometimes kind of quote unquote start with the splash with the end page of the previous issue or whatever something leading into it so sometimes it's just good to kind of go back an issue and go afford it an issue anyway right alright okay with that yes yeah, so, so let's get one more ad read before we wrap this up sure our last ad read when we've been on for a while is of course keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon visit cspn.us then click the keep our podcast free link at the top of the page from there scroll down and click on the amazon link to shop 
purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, etc. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. And we all know you're quarantined and you need some stuff delivered, so make sure to hit up our link on the CSPN.us website for Amazon. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And with that, folks, we come to another end of another exciting episode of the Cumber Chronicles. We thank you for coming out. For myself, Radicat, you can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can also find me on uh, Instagram at CBCaps. Agent underscore 70, you can find at uh, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC and underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenet.com, his um, and his umbrella sites therein, and uh, the Vine replacement Byte, B-Y-T-E, under comic reviews, no vowels. Uh, Tim, D-O-G-D-9-8, the Osiris of this ish, you can find him at that, not the Osiris of this ish, but Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, um, uh, Twitter account, uh, the Click Nation on Twitter, that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, also theclicknation.com, and also comic book resources where he's over there writing his face off. You can find this here podcast, as I've probably neglected to say earlier, at the Cold Slither Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. Indeed. And you can also um, subscribe to said podcast at your podcast perusal place, of course, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Spotify, uh, and the Cold Slither Podcast Network SoundCloud page. And if you are... Uh, previously subscribed to the uh, Cold Slither Podcast Network and or the Comic Book Chronicles feed on iTunes. Make sure that you refresh that feed. It has subtly changed. So just search for Comic Book Chronicles and make sure to subscribe, uh, especially if you are on Apple iTunes. I think the Spotify link is in the process of being updated. Yeah, what he said. And with that, folks, we will be back next week. Um, we don't necessarily know. I think we may still be on this Empire Road to Empire train next week, but we will let you know on the Twitter accounts um, if, if for no other reason. And check out Marvel Unlimited. Maybe we'll go to DC. We don't even know. And <clears throat> We've got ideas. We've got ideas. Yes. But until then, folks, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. I love it when a plan comes together. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you